Hello and welcome everyone to Devour the Podcast. Whatever you do, she just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Listen, asshole! No, you listen, you little bitch. You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Who the hell is my chief fucking king of the zombies? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Hey everyone, welcome to episode 131 of Devour the Podcast, uh, a number that I I know is absolutely 100% true, in uh, as much as anything is true, I think, uh, in today's world. Um, I'm Bo Ranstall, I am one of the hosts here, uh, along with me is the, the ever-present, the ebullient uh, Jamie Sammons. Jamie, how are you on this? Uh, uh, th- we're recording this on on Thanksgiving Eve, uh, which is not a thing, but that's when gobble, we record it. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> so by the time this drops, though, Thanksgiving will be done. Like the the leftovers will still be in the fridge, but Thanksgiving proper will be done. But I will take this opportunity to say Happy Thanksgiving, Jamie. Well, Happy Thanksgiving to you, and Happy Thanksgiving to everyone else out there. And if I were editing this show, you would not want the leftovers that were still in the fridge. <laughs> because <laughs> it is taking me forever to do editing these days. Yeah. But I'm not. So you can still probably eat them. Yeah, yeah. No, it it'll be it'll be safe. You know, as long as you've refrigerated appropriately. I can't be responsible for like, hey, here's some ham we left out for a couple of days, then put in the fridge. You and- could also put something in the freezer. You could, you could. That, I, I think if you leave it out for two days, you got to go straight to the freezer. Is the rule? My dad always kept ham on the stove for days, like he never refrigerated ham. I think that's why I have such an iron constitution. <laughs> I was, I was forged in trichinosis. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> other people look at things and, and turn away in disgust, I just say. Come at me, bro. Right. I'll I'll take your infection if you got the guts. Yeah. I'm hearty stock. I've always said that. Uh, when people mention you, uh, I say she is hearty stock. That, that one. is not complimentary at all. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Though. And probably a good breeder <laughs> is how I usually... <laughs> introduce you not how i introduce however our our third host he talks about me like i'm <laughs> livestock <laughs> well it's not how i meant it but all right <laughs> it is, i mean it's thanksgiving See, after that all explains it why is... whenever i meet people they start checking my teeth <laughs> pulling up the gums i'll tell you best i think i think this one's a keeper <laughs> <laughs> um also Vanessa McHenry is here to, I don't know, observe this nonsense, make it a oh, little I, bit smarter. I think I participate in the nonsense. Fair enough. I Maybe I make it smarter sometimes, but <laughs> there's plenty of nonsense. <laughs> no one is immune. Um, all right. So enough screwing around. Let's get to the show, people. 
That's what happens when you're not raised on stove kept ham. <laughs> no you, immunity. For for a second there, I totally forgot about the ham and thought you were going to say stovetop stuffing. And I was like, you know what? I think I could survive off of that. <laughs> no, that's gross. Sorry. <laughs> My mom's having potatoes. I'm going to Jimmy's house. He's having stovetop stuffing. Yeah, stovetop stuffing is delicious. No, it's not. What? <laughs> I'm the, I know I'm in the minority on that, but that's just me. Because it's just butter, and butter is delicious. I, oh, it's delicious in other ways, but I just don't like stuffing or dressing. I, I'm not a big Thanksgiving person. All right. Except for except for the mashed potatoes. I'll beat someone down over fucking mashed potatoes any day of the week. Um, <laughs> do you prefer the red potatoes? Uh, like the them kind of mashed potatoes, which are uh, making a bit of a, a a run for the money, or giving a run for the money to the old fashioned, you know, brown and white spuds. I see a lot of the the red potato mashed potatoes yeah. these days, and I like yeah. it. I'm on board. Oh, I will. I, I, I'm Irish on one side of my family and Eastern European on the other. I love potatoes any way, shape, or form. Potato famine scares them, doesn't it? Well, it should. Um, yeah. That's... <laughs> anyway. If, if sorry, you've never seen it for Thanksgiving, here's a, a new uh, tradition for you. Look up that John Belushi luck of the Irish bit from Saturday Night Live. Uh, it, it's hysterical. Um, but, uh, th- again, this is not what we're here to discuss. We have been given... Uh, a, a request to rank some stuff. And that's how we open the show these days. So we're going to rank something. Um, I, I made this call out and I think, look, this is my fault. I understand that. I did not <laughs> word this particularly well. I did not explain the concept uh, clearly well enough because what I got were people like, Hey, what are the top 10 funniest things that if X happened? And I'm like, no, that's not the deal the deal is you provide the things we just tell you the order of those things and uh so i'm gonna save some of that stuff for the ask dtp section of the show because it's more like hey uh, uh we'll get to it but one person and one person only really did the right thing here which is was it john rhodes no uh oh. john, well, no john did john did ask a question in an appropriate fashion but okay. um, Abraham Ram, I'm just playing the odds here. Yes, Abraham is the one who got this right. I knew it. Because <laughs> what he says is rank these nature run amok films from favorite to least favorite, and then list said films. That's how this works. Uh, doesn't have Let's, to be nature okay. run amok films. It just yeah. you have to define. You have to give us the multiple choice. Is uh, is the deal at the end of the day. Um, but like I said, some of these were pretty funny and we'll, we'll at least touch on them, uh, in the ask DTP segment. So Abraham Ram for getting this, uh, correct. Here are the nature run amok films that he would like us to rank from uh favorite to least favorite, starting with uh, number one, the movies are Orca, Grizzly, Prophecy, The Birds, Kingdom of the Spiders and Day of the Animals. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, six crowd pleasers. Mm. Um. So I'll go first. I'll, I'm willing to fall on the you, grenade here. This is your baby. Yeah. So the birds is the best of of the bunch. 
because it's it's Hitchcock and Hitchcock is brilliant and there it it's an auteur doing a schlocky B movie and it's incredibly fun and it's great. The Birds is uh top of the list for sure. After that I'm probably going to go Orca because <laughs> Richard Harris does my heart good. And I as, for all the jaws ripoffs that all of these movies kind of are uh, I think Orca is, is maybe my favorite. Um, conceptually, I think Tentacles is my favorite, but it's not a very good movie. But I love the idea of a killer octopus just rolling up on a beach and grabbing people, swimming off, doing that baby, the, that pram. It just yes. sl- it just snakes a pram right off the bridge, yep. and that that is makes one of the me smile. That's one of the reasons it's it's almost a great movie is that an octopus eats a baby in that film, but. Uh, all right, so it goes: birds, orca, kingdom of the spiders, mm, grizzly, day of the animals, prophecy. Because prophecy is really only great because of the the sleeping bag. Sleeping bag. bag. Yeah. Mm. Now, are we doing best or favorites? Well, it's it, he says favorite to least favorite. Okay, then that's the way I'll go. Okay. So, and and you're up. Let, let's hear it, JJ. Oh, ooh. favorite to least favorite. Okay, my favorite. Yikes! This is really this is really hard. By the way, I just want to say excellent choices. Yeah. The, no, you the, are. The, the difficulty lies in that I love all of these films. You watch any of these movies any given night of the week, you're going to have yourself a good time. Right. Okay, I'm going to have to say my favorite is Orca. I can't watch it all that often because I actually timed myself the last time I watched it. I start crying from the moment that the score kicks in in the very beginning when we see the family frolicking, the family of orcas. That's when I start crying. Like before anything even happens, I just hear the first strains of that score and I'm a goner. And I don't stop crying until 33 minutes into the film. So it is really heartbreaking for me. It's it's a tough sit. I love it so much. And that is one of the I mean, that's that Morricone score is incredible. It is it is just amazing. Um and then I get I get really happy at the end. Um at the very end I'm I'm pleased, but it is really hard for me, but it is a favorite because it tears me up emotionally. It is I honestly I think that film deserves a lot more credit than it gets. Because if you really sink yourself into it, it is a very emotional film. And I'm going to have to move on because I'm going to cry if I talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm just thinking the um, little the little baby orca on the deck. Just, see, ah! Why? 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 Ah! Why do you got to bring that up? <laughs> just, just wash it off the dick. Oh, Jesus. All oh, the heartbreak in that film. <laughs> Next up is uh, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um <laughs> Next up for me is, <laughs> oh, God. Now, oh, man. Okay. <sighs> Grizzly. Um, okay. I mean, it's, you know, rocket launcher versus bear. I can't really, <laughs> I, you don't really need any more description than that. But you've got Prine, um, J- uh, Jekyll. Um, all of these guys are just amazing. And mm-hmm. this is probably the closest Jaws that we uh, to a Jaws ripoff that we have. And when we have 
the the three the characters that are going through this whole adventure together and um it's it i don't know i i love that it's well crafted to be jaws on land and it works really well behind that is prophecy again um not just the sleeping bag kill but again that's a very emotional film for me i start crying from the moment we see the mutant bear baby trapped in the net (laughs) and then i don't stop at all i just keep crying throughout the end of that film and it's every time i hear that baby cry when they're the mutant baby the one that they save or uh, you know Attempt to save the the every time I see that baby, I start bawling all over again. Every time it cries, I start bawling all over again. So that one's rough for me. Um, then is bird the birds. It is it's Hitchcock. If I were going as far as best films, it would probably be at the top with no question. But I it just doesn't hit me in the feels the way the other films do. So that's why I didn't make it that far up. Uh, next up is day of the animals. And that's, um, you know, I mean, Leslie Nielsen versus bear sans <laughs> shirt. You know, we, <laughs> we've got the reference to the crying Indian commercial in that, which I love. You've got Leslie Nielsen being a dick and, but he does it so well. And I just think that's a really fun movie. Plus, I don't know if everyone knows this, but the girl that I don't know her name in the movie in Day of the Animals, but the one who gets like she falls off the cliff or the you know the long blonde that's Chrissy from Jaws. Oh really? And who was she was a she was a stunt woman by trade, and that she is in that film. She doesn't have a big role in that film, but she has a memorable role because that's her death is, is I think one of the most glorious things, and then rounding out that list is kingdom of the spiders and only because and i've always loved that film too it has been a favorite of mine for years a go-to but in recent years i have kind of come to resent that film a little i still enjoy watching it you know just in spite of myself but i get a little bit angry every time i do just because i see all of the tarantulas that get killed and they just don't care. I mean, they're just they're just rolling over them and stomping on them and throwing them down. And I'm like, that's just not cool. So it makes the bottom of the list for that reason. <laughs> because but. because on screen you see the destruction of godless killing machines. Fine, I guess. <laughs> they have a purpose. They we all have a purpose, and they didn't do anything to anyone. You right, know, at least you no. Know, at also, that moment, they also don't have a consciousness. They're just so? big bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're hairy and whatnot. But even if you like, <laughs> even oh, well, if you if keep hairy, yeah, right? Well, if you keep if you keep a tarantula as a pet, which I have no problems with, other than uh, you know, if you get one of them super poisonous tarantulas and it bites you yeah. and you die, you were asking for it. Mm-hmm. But. I don't have a problem with it because they're fascinating creatures, no question about it. But at no point is somebody going to be like, my tarantula, Harry, because that's what you would name a tarantula. Um, you know, the other night, uh, he he just came up to me and he laid down in my lap and just turned over and gave me that look with his, you know, 14 goddamn eyes. And that said, like, <laughs> you and me, pal. And I was like, tarantulas truly are a man's best friend. 
Um, that is never happens because they're just bugs. They're just like, where's a You're live right. thing I can right. poison, paralyze, and suck the life-sustaining juices from. You're, I mean, you're right, but it, I don't know. I can't, um, it you, just, it. Do you have that problem sad. with squirm? Are you like, think of all the worms who gave their life <laughs> for the film squirm? <laughs> you know, I've never actually considered that, but uh-huh. next time I watch it now, I will. Thank you. Thank you for throwing that into my brain. Cause I need something else to keep me up at night. I, <laughs> I just I don't know think that, that there are some animals their lives in squirm though. Did we see any on death worm killings on death on screen worm deaths in squirm? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we might have, but I mean, they outright focus on them in Kingdom of the Spiders. Yes, <laughs> just like in uh, what the creep show, they're creeping up on you. Bit I am sure that there were some roaches that got stepped on. There probably were, but, you know, they went to great painstaking detail to collect as many of those bugs as they could. <laughs> not well, sure. For, not for humane purposes, right. but because they didn't want them getting into the ecosystem. They're um, working actors also. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're not getting SAG scale, but. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, those tarantulas had better health care than me, though. That's true. Probably uh, true. Probably yeah. true. It's that fucking spider union. Um, <laughs> so yep. Vanessa, yeah, Orca Grizzly Prophecy: The Birds Kingdom of the Spiders, or uh, KOTS uh, if if you're cool, and uh, Day of the Animals. It's so, nasty. okay, number one for me is no no question the birds. Sure, I always really liked this movie, but then a few years ago I saw it on the big screen, and it is a whole other experience because i mean i I love hitchcock anyway but there's one thing that is so you're so much more aware of when you see it in a theater is the bernard herman sound design because it doesn't have a score right all it is the only music you hear is that stupid sing song whatever thing that the school children sing Everything else is just the sound of the wind and the sound of the wings flapping and it all builds up and it creates this mood in a whole other way that, like I said, I mean, I had always enjoyed that film. I I liked it a lot. But once you get that sound, you know, aspect on a whole other level, it's just, yeah, it moved it right up for me. And, um... But then, okay, my number two, Kingdom of the Spiders. Uh-huh. Because, well, I'm a daughter of an entomologist, and <laughs> it brings me back to my childhood <laughs> looking at... <laughs> Running over tarantulas, right? No, looking at insects and spiders, and yeah. Plus, you get William Shatner. Come on. I mean, he's being a total like chauvinist in that movie, but it's kind of funny yeah he, he's like <laughs> if a bottle time, of brute came he's to life because they make they actually make fun of him doing it at one point you know and i appreciate that but yeah. i love that that i love that it has spider vision <laughs> oh like, 
That makes it so cool that you have all these camera angles, like down low, looking up at people <laughs> running around. But um, anyway, number three, I'll say is Grizzly. You guys have already said things about that. And then I would say Day of the Animals. I, I just love that whole, yeah, you're right, Leslie Nielsen versus a bear. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the best. I it's mean, best. I don't know whoever came up with that idea, but when. I mean, it's yes. a winner. Yeah. It, it, he, Leslie Nielsen fights a bear over a lady. <laughs> right. Like, you can't have her, Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's it's pre all the Zucker stuff. So yeah. it's when he was still doing like serious performances and right. seeing Lieutenant Frank Drebin. <laughs> Fighting a bear. Like, you can't not think of Naked Gun when you're watching this scene. Because it's amazing. And he just... it Man, shirtless Leslie Nielsen fighting a bear <laughs> should be, like, the official mascot of everything. Of this country. Of the great United States. <laughs> and I think we'd be better as a nation. I have a shirtless Leslie Nielsen fighting a bear painted on my garage. Oh, I don't, but that wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> I would love my to see that as like a mural. My, the homeowners association <laughs> would throw a fit, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe put a shirt on him or something. Because <laughs> that would be the problem. Not the HOA I want, the one that's like, <laughs> get those pants off. <laughs> Let's even the fight. Um uh, all right, where so what are we like you were uh birds, and then, Kingdom then of the Orca, Spiders. Kingdom of the Spiders, Grizzly, Day of the Animals, and then Orca at number five. I I don't know. Just I've never really gotten that into that movie for whatever reason. I think it's probably one I need to revisit. Same with the prophecy, which I put at number six. Um it's one I saw ages ago, but just for whatever reason didn't stick with me. And I really want to say I wish that Piranha had been on this list. Yeah, OG. I'm guessing he uh, was staying away from the obvious choices. Well, these are obvious choices, though, too. (laughs) No, they are. But I mean, like Piranha and obviously Jaws, you know, because that would have been a no brainer. Right, right. right. Um, Piranha 2, the spawning. Well, (laughs) yeah. Which, by the way, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, that film just got a Blu-ray release, and everyone was all like, oh, yay, Blu-ray release for Piranha 2. No. Yeah. It is not good. I don't care what yeah. nostalgia tells you. Go back and watch that movie again. You'll remember why it failed when it came out originally. It is not good. I don't – James Cameron – well, James Cameron can suck a dick anyway, but I, uh, it is not, not good. That that movie should what? only come out on VHS. Like there shouldn't <laughs> even be a DVD option. It should be like you got a VCR. No, that's about that's what it. it. That's that is the transfer it deserves. Is is VHS? Um, I am surprised about the Orca thing a little bit, Vanessa. But I I think if you revisit it and look at it through the prism yeah. of this is a fantastic Richard Harris alcoholic performance. Um, well, it was quite a while ago that I last saw it so that you know just 
age. <laughs> Maybe sure. it would appreciate it more. Yeah, yeah. It oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Because the other movie, the other movies, I've all seen multiple times. I've only seen Orca and The Prophecy once each. Okay, eh, you know, I'll allow it. Um, so uh, that is our ranking, uh, which leads us all the way uh, to what we've been watching. Um. Jamie, give me a couple of things you've been watching uh, that you feel like sharing with the good people, and and you better make them good. I just watched the 4K restoration Blu-ray of Zombie that was put out by, or is being put out by, Blue Underground, and it is amazing, like super incredible. I've never seen it look better. I don't even have a 4K TV, and it you couldn't, I mean, the detail is just astounding. You can see wood grain, you can see wool coat texture, you can see everything. Now, as we know, with older films, that's always that's often not your friend, that <laughs> you can see everything. But this movie still, it still looks fantastic. So, uh, plus it comes with, uh, it's three discs. It comes with the feature, and then it comes with a whole other disc of extras, and it comes with the soundtrack. So, it's pretty badass. Um, yeah, that's so, got a great soundtrack as well. It's, really I, it's one of my favorites. It really is. It's um, it's one that I actually do listen to just to listen to it. Yeah. And um, yeah. So um, to me, that's an all around win. There was something else that we watched the other day and I wanted to, I knew we were going to be doing this show and I said to myself, remember this movie. Oh, I love these stories. <laughs> And then I proceeded to not. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Um, I know we watched. Um, <laughs> I like that that was the end of the story. It wasn't even like, it's so it, like, here's, it was so, here's this was, other movie. It was just like, nope, nothing. It's all all white noise <laughs> behind the eyes. <laughs> um, hmm. We did watch a Shutter exclusive called The Witch in the Window. Yeah, how is that? It's, you know, it's kind of weird. I ended up liking it. I'm not, I think I liked it more than Brian did. It's, it has like one or two genuinely creepy moments. But in the end, it just kind of ends up being a sweet movie. Like, it's not really scary at all. It's just like, oh, like with the end, I was like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) sweet. Like, that's a weird reaction (laughs) to... Seeing a a kitten hug a dolphin. Yeah, I mean, it just is is kind of heartwarming in a way. Also, it kind of leaves you with a, well, why couldn't he just do that? Well, why didn't, why wasn't this a thing? Or why couldn't they just do that? And, you know, so if you pick it apart too much, then you're going to make yourself unhappy. But if you just kind of go with it, it's a little heartwarming. So, you know, not bad. All right, all right. Uh, And other than that, I... We've been watching some a lot of kung fu zombie movies because that's where we're all now. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That's where we are that's in the collection. Awesome. <laughs> that that is where we are in the collection, and I really want to get through this one. And because mm. uh, oh my mm. god, there are only so many kung fu zombie movies I can watch. What? How many have you watched so far? Three, <laughs> but we still have, I think. Eight more to go. Oh my god! Seven more to go. I don't know. There's a, a lot, and 
I don't know how many different ways you can do a kung fu, a kung fu zombie movie. Some of them are actually kind of entertaining. Some of them not so much. Mm-hmm. But Sounds you know, wonderful. There's that. <laughs> but that's it. All right, uh, Vanessa. What about you? Uh, what you've been watching that you would like to share with the good people at home? I did see in the theaters the latest Halloween movie, and I enjoyed it more after I left the theater because I wasn't with that asshole audience. Um, like, I just the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, I really liked it more than I thought. Like when I was initially sitting there, because I just kept getting so annoyed with some of the audience member. <laughs> All right, that kind of was distracting me from how much. I was getting in trying or getting into the movie. Um, it, it's actually, I, I enjoyed the more kind of feminist bent that it has than uh, some others, but in fucking Judy Greer, man, she is so underrated. Judy Greer is amazing. Yes. I love her, love her so much. And you know, they didn't give her as much to do in this as they could have, but she's still just, Steal scenes. Like, and I love Jamie Gilly Curtis so much, but then like fucking Judy Greer shows up, you know? Um, and then I, uh, the one thing I really, really wanted to talk about is I got to go to the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival and I saw this movie called Level 16 and uh, directed by Danishka Esterhazy. And she's, a Canadian director and it's she's had a, a, a few other films and like TV things that she's directed but this is like her baby basically she wrote and directed it and she's been trying to get it out there um, for 10 years and it's uh, it's kind of a, a feminist dystopian kind of thing. And, and I was lucky enough that she was there for a Q and a, and then I got to talk to her afterwards at the bar at the theater. And, you know, she's, it's, it's definitely influenced by the handmaid's tale. I mean, it was written by Canadian Margaret Atwood. So that makes a lot of sense. And she's herself, you know, says definitely this influenced me, but, um, it centers around this prison-like boarding school for girls. And you see them being indoctrinated about, this is how a woman should be. This is what a woman should look like. And these, this whole, some of these like bullshit old retro PSAs type things about femininity. And it, but yet these girls are somehow prisoners and you, most of the cast is like 16 years old and younger and they're great. It's a really, it's, it definitely centers more on like this one girl, but it's still very much an ensemble movie. And Oh my God, I, I was just blown away with it. And I, I mean, it also, I had already been knee deep and still recovering from the handmaid's tale that when we did that, VD clinic and when I edited that just that had been in my head and then to see this it's just it's just very powerful and the fact that it's a female film director and it's you know it's a smart 
kind of story without seeming like it's, you know, preaching or anything to you. And it, it kind of challenges these, like, like I said, these different ideas of what femininity is and what, and okay, you're in this prison, but it still has this kind of horror element of you're trapped in this prison like situation. How do you get out of here? What torturous or horrible things can you experience here? And why are you being held here? And these, these all these kind of very psychological kind of elements to it. And it is a little bit more of, I guess, a cross genre kind of, it could be called sci-fi. It could be called horror, but it's really fascinating. I really, I can't recommend it enough. It's on the festival circuit right now and it should be in, I think on VOD, I think supposedly in the spring, unless it gets picked up, you know, some like shutter or something picks it up before that. But I, I can't recommend it enough. What, and what was the name of that one more time? Level 16. Level 16. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. Uh, I, I, I want to say more about it, but I don't want to give certain things away. No, no, I, I, I think you sold it. I'm, I'm on board. Um, anytime that I really like those Stepford wife kind of scenarios. Um, yes. And there's definitely, you get some influence from that too, but it's very much its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds yeah. it sounds very cool, and like you give me kind of a gothic style, like hey, we're the, all all uh, away from people here at this boarding house or boarding school, and it's like that's a that's a setting that almost makes that movie uh, The Awakening worth watching, well, um, but not. And quite. it's it's this um, very interesting aesthetic that's going on too. And, and as far as like the cinematography and just the color palette, it's, it's very so visually distinct and, and rich at the same time as these, you know, script wise. So, you know, it's got these, it's got a lot of things going for it. I want to go back now and see other things that, by the same director. <laughs> she is a wonderful, cool. wonderful person. She was so nice. Cool. Okay. Uh, anything else? I remembered my movie. Oh, <laughs> it once you no once she gets done. No, I, no, I mean like that's that's really I've seen some other things, but no, I don't even want to talk about them when I especially when I keep thinking <laughs> about this. I keep thinking about this movie, and it's now been over a month since I've seen it. I just keep it keeps coming back into my head. What's the director's name? Uh, Danishka Esterhazy. Okay. Of the Vermont Esterhazy's? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> They're Canadian. She's from Canada. Oh. Uh, you know, you have to ask. Um, all right. Uh, I will... <laughs> I think she said her family is um, not Uzbekistan. Something like that. Sorry. I forget now. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I wish I could say I was from Uzbekistan. <laughs> like, I don't know that I really want to be from Uzbekistan, but I like saying that word a lot. Um, it is a fun word. Yeah, it's yeah. All, it, it's pretty good. Um, so, I, uh, this week, if, if you listen to the most recent uh, Devour the Podcast episode, what dropped, um, which is just me talking about what movies I've been watching, um, this may be a little bit redundant, but it's worth repeating. Uh, I watched Flight of the Living Dead uh, <laughs> recently. 
which is way more fun than a movie called Flight of the Living Dead ought to be. I love that movie. <laughs> I own it. Yeah. I have, I've owned it for years. I think it's really fun. Grandma Zombie, Gumming the Dude. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Yeah, the zombies are really fun. And it kind of gets to being a zombie movie pretty quickly and and doesn't dick around. Like, I, I, if you listen to that episode, I watched a bunch of movies that were like, this is a horror movie on a plane. Although, notably, not not Snakes on a Plane. It was mm-hmm. uh, Flight 666, uh, Fly the Living Dead, 7500, and Altitude were the movies I watched. And uh, of of all of those, Five of the Living Dead's the only thing that I thought was kind of worth a shit. And the other thing I saw that's probably worth a, another mention is I finally saw The Night Eats the World, the uh, zombie movie that took, not the internet, but like the horror community was kind of all abuzz about this movie uh, earlier in the year. And I finally caught up to it and I was like, eh, it's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I was like, it's a zombie siege movie that's you know it, it's not it, it's a good one um but i i just need something more out of a zombie movie these days than but this time he's alone and it's like yeah it's like the opening <laughs> of 28 days later only longer and and that's fine mm-hmm. but it it like it just didn't stand out and i also don't think the lead performance was good enough to command that movie for the runtime. Um, uh, there were plenty of times when I was watching it where I, I've just found my attention kind of drifting because I was just kind of bored through a lot of that movie, um, which is ironic because I even said this in that review uh, episode that I, when I was giving uh, star grades to those movies, I gave both uh, Flight of the Living Dead and The Night Eats the World three stars. <laughs> and I was like, at the end of the day, I would really like to watch Fly of the Living Dead again. I don't really care if I ever see Night Eats the World again. That's... Wow. I know. It's not where I wanted to be with it, but it's the truth. Um, I haven't seen it, but I will I, check it out now just to see. <laughs> If you're like, Bo's full of shit. This is good. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I just, I don't even remember the buzz about it. So I like, I missed that one altogether. And by buzz, I mean, I think Duncan had told me about it. Oh, well then. Oh, well then. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Right. So it's, you know, (laughs) you know that it, it was just some full of shit thing that comes out of his barely intelligible mouth was it a film from the uk uh y- yes it was but there not, you go no 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 i take that back it wasn't from the uk it was uh french but it was belgian i was gonna say belgian belgian yeah it's one of those swiss french well, belgian kidding. i don't know what i'm just saying that sounds like something he would you know it, pull it, out of his ass the lead actor is swedish yeah. i know that much yeah does he make meatballs uh, there's probably a scene where he does that in the movie when I was like, what is going on? He's just wandering around all this of our place Swedish again. listeners. I apologize of, of which I know we have at least one. So I, I apologize. But until, yeah, until I get a voicemail, I will assume that that listener <laughs> sounds like the Swedish chef. <laughs> uh, so what else have you got? 
Uh, I I think that'll do it. I think just those two, Night Eats the World and, okay. and Fly the Living Dead. I would say you can watch both of them. You're probably going to have more fun with Fly the Living Dead because uh, the guy who plays Raylan's dad in Justified is a zombie pilot in it. That's kind of fun. Like, like there are actors in it that you're going to be like, I don't know his name, but I've seen him in stuff. And that's what I liked about Fly the Living Dead. Is that it's full of cameos of character actors that are so far down the character actor roll call (laughs) that you're like, I don't even know that guy's name. That's why Sharknado's good. (sighs) I don't know about that. I mean, what? That's why it's bearable, really. That was my Tara Reid impression. Oh. (laughs) You sound too Um, smart. You still sound too smart, (laughs) Amy. Stop it. Oh, God, you guys. I think one of my boobs is pointing the wrong way. <laughs> oh. Um, I remember <laughs> that was not your fault. I can't make fun of her on that. I just feel bad for her there. Oh. Oh, I remember the movie I was going to talk And it was Incident in a Ghostland. Oh, yeah. I've got that on my short list of stuff to watch. I'll probably watch that. Yeah. If not tonight, then tomorrow or something. How? how I, what did you think? I got to tell you. I am a fan of Pascal Logier. Now, um, Martyrs, when it came along, blew the horror community apart. I mean, it was just like, sure. bam! It just sort of—he just sort of plopped that in everybody's lap and said, "Have this," you know, and <laughs> and have a nice day, <laughs> and right, and you know, love it. <laughs> Zutalor, this will make you feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> God. And Bo, do you remember back when we had, had um, last blog on the left? Uh huh. And I wrote an article about the French extreme films. Uh huh. And you titled it "Where Do They Get De Gaulle?" Ah, uh, yeah. And which is still one of my favorite article titles ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I like I like my CDG jokes. But um, <laughs> then he did the Tall Man and. Uh, I honestly don't remember that much about that movie. I remember Jessica Biel was in it, and I remember I didn't care for it that much. That's all I remember. But it was no martyrs, right? So then here comes Incident in a Ghostland. And I got to tell you, it's not martyrs, but it has its moments, and it's really good. It is really, really good. He does some amazing things with trauma and how people process trauma. And he does some really fun things with reality in this movie. As far as like, you're, I can't say much because it'll fuck it up. I went into this film completely cold. And I am really glad that I did. Because I I got the full experience that way. And I think that that's what everyone should attempt to do. So I'm not going to say anything more about it. Other than, it's not as intense as Martyrs. It's not. But the guy can make a movie. And I, I really think that this is worth your time. I have a lot of time for Incident in a Ghostland. All right. So I recommend it. I will, I will watch that very soon. I'm, I, I have been real curious about it, and it, it's on my shelf right now. So um, cool. All right, folks. Uh, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's time for news and ask DTP. We'll be right back. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. 
I said quiet. My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. Hey, welcome back to episode 131 of Devour the Podcast. Uh, Enough about me, though, folks. I need to hear some horror news, and that means I need some Jamie J. Sammons. Jamie! That's right. It is time for the news, bitches. First up, (laughs) we got some stuff. We got some pretty good stuff. All pulled together by the amazing Vanessa. Thank you very much, Vanessa. You're welcome, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The first story is original film's producer is plotting a remake of 1981's slasher Madman. That just seems silly to me, first of all. On a personal note, I I love that movie. (laughs) I do. Uh, A lot of people don't think it's all that great. I think it's pretty phenomenal just because I think the dude is scary. Madman Mars is one of the biggest, most powerful slasher killers he, I mean, he just does some things in that film that require a great deal of strength, and it's just, it's. I think it's scary for that reason. Plus, you cannot get better than that theme song. No way. To me, it kind, it almost rivals the Ballad of Harry Warden. But, and I love the the woman that gets like jammed into the refrigerator, the dead body. And I know it's just something that makes me kind of giggle in this morbid way every time I see it. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I do, I do not disagree. Uh, <laughs> partially inspired by the success of Halloween this year, because yeah, th- that's the same, um, <laughs> producer Gary Sales is hoping to get a modern remake of 1981's Madman off the ground, where a psychotic slasher by the name of Madman Mars went on a killing spree at a summer camp. After hearing about his plans, we re- we reached out to Sales for a quick chat and he gave the skinny on what's going on. Sales, who co-created Madman alongside the late Joe Giannone, yeah, Giannone, Giannone, okay, has written a script for the remake. He told us which quote springs from the original campfire tale DNA of the '80s slasher. The Madman remake script is written. Uh, this is a quote: "The Madman remake script is written. I'm in the process." Through my agent and my industry contacts of getting in into the hands of studios, production companies, and fran- oh sorry, and financiers who see the incredible value and potential of Madman as an icon of fright and, and a horror brand that could last another thirty eight years. I think I th- think he's kind of overselling the impact that Madman has had. <laughs> I mean, it's because I I know I just said I love it, but. No, I agree. I agree with you. It's not iconic. Like, no, and it's it has not. All the sequels, like, 
Halloween or something. Yeah, if you are not a a slasher fan, you likely have never seen this film. This is the kind of movie that you seek out because you're a fan of slashers specifically. If you are just a general horror fan and you don't like to delve that deep, or if you specifically don't like slashers, I'm going to bet good money that you've probably never seen it. And I wouldn't, it's not a slight. It's just a thing. I mean, it's not, he's no, Madman Mars is not, is neither a Jason, nor a Michael, nor a Freddy, nor a Leatherface. You know, he is a very niche killer within a niche genre. And I don't know that, I don't know. I mean, we, it's, this is rough for me because I would like to say the slasher is making a resurgence. I want it to, but we all saw what happened when Hellfest was released in theaters. Fucking crickets happened because nobody went to see that movie. I did, but it's, and it was good. Damn it. And <laughs> yeah, I didn't get I didn't get to it in time. It was barely in theaters here. I know New it, it, it in New York. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it didn't last. And <laughs> that was really I sad saw Bloodfest in theaters, but I didn't get to see Hellfest. Yeah, it's sad because it's actually, I think, really interesting. I, I enjoyed it. I had a really fun time with it. But all I keep hearing from horror fans is how hard is it to make to to put a guy in a mask and have him killing people with sharp objects? Just make a slasher. Blah, 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 blah. I've heard that for years. Okay. Well, how hard is it to make a slasher? Put a slasher in the theater. Right. So they put a slasher in the theater and nobody fucking goes to see it. Well, what I'm just it pisses me off. So do I think that a film like this that was a little bit underground to begin with, getting a remake is going to start up a whole lot of of business i really don't i mean maybe it will there i could because you know on occasion i'm wrong not ha- not often but on, <laughs> but on occasion it does happen but right. that would be what i would be concerned about with this title i, I mean but yeah, have you seen madman uh maybe not that i remember like i'm, I'm i was reading the synopsis and i was like i don't none of this sounds uh terribly Familiar, well, it wouldn't but, surprise me. It, yeah. it, it really wouldn't surprise me if you didn't. Because, like I, I said... I think it's on Amazon Prime. Actually, maybe on Shudder now. Yeah. I. It's one of those things where... Like, I agree with you, Jamie, that something like Halloween penetrates because it's Halloween. It's name recognition. Right. You know what Halloween is. Even if you've never seen a Halloween film, you know who Michael Myers right. is. You know, You know what you're in for. And you know there are a billion of them in a series. (laughs) Right. And when something like Hellfest lands, it's like, who said what now? Right. Right. It's like, well, it's this movie about, uh, it's a a carnival or, you know, Halloween festival or whatever the fuck it was. And it's like, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm not going to the movies to see a slasher movie when they're a dime a dozen on Netflix or Amazon or whatever service you have. So I like that's why I think a movie like Hellfest uh fails and then when you know uh what was it not Overlord is that it Overlord the new JJ yeah. yeah um when another that another disappointing turnout right but as soon as I hear JJ Abrams presents I'm like I don't need to see that I like it's I've seen so a lot fun, of his, though. I've seen yeah but JJ Abrams as a creator puts me off because most of the stuff he makes is shit and <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like to admit that to themselves, but he's made like one good thing 
and everything else has been kind of garbage. Mm, he's made more than one good thing, but 50-50. Lost. 50-50, maybe. What else? Cloverfield. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll yeah. grant you Cloverfield. But Ten Cloverfield Lane. Did he direct that? No, he didn't. Yeah. But he, he didn't direct it. He produced this, it. Yeah. He produced it. Yeah. And that's but he a, didn't direct Overlord, so. Yeah. I, I guess I'm just burned so bad on Super 8, which I think is just yeah. one of the biggest scams ever perpetrated on the American <laughs> public. You know, I never saw that. Oh, it's fucking awful. <sighs> it's, yeah. It's, it's on the verge of being good, though. And that's what's so frustrating about it. Yeah, it. <laughs> it, it's That's so what's desperately about it. It's like uh, just not quite there. It, yeah, it so desperately <laughs> wants to be a Spielberg film. Yep, and just doesn't have nearly the chops for it. So instead, it comes off being That's what I keep hearing. Just incredibly, in turns, saccharine, confusing, and just downright dumb. And mm. yeah, it's it's a bad bad film. I, and those Star Trek movies and all that, like all, all the ones that I think he's got his paws all over, uh, I, I wasn't real crazy about. Anyway, um, so that's the reason I'm like, I don't need to see a World War II zombie movie produced by this guy whose track record is not great. Um, and, but I, I have heard a lot of good things about it. May it like Word of mouth has been real good, I think, on Overlord. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know that it's going to make it. Yeah, but unfortunately, well, it's not. And cause it had a $38 million budget and the, the problem with a film like that is it can't wait around for word of mouth. Like we don't have time for word of mouth. If you have a movie on VOD or if you, you know, um, that doesn't get a theatrical release, you can wait on word of mouth to become iconic within the genre to get your nods. But if you're out in the theater, you can't afford that. So I think with Madman, it would have a prayer if, say, Blumhouse picked it up, made it for $5 million budget like they love to do, and um, kicked it out there. Or maybe even, you know, who might be a good one for that is maybe Elijah Wood, uh, his company. Yeah, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Spectre Vision. Pick it up, throw some money at it, a little bit of money, not a lot. It wouldn't require a lot. Put it out on VOD and... You know, the, it could probably do well because I guarantee you the the ones who know it will seek it out. And, you know, the ones who are a fan of the original will seek it out. So it'll make some money. But the, what just strikes me, and the reason I went into that whole thing that I went into, and I think it's funny, is because the guy is like he was inspired by the success of the release of Halloween. I'm like, that is not the same thing. You can't. Exactly. <laughs> you, Apples, you know, oranges. Exactly. Apples, oranges. Exactly. All I got to say. So if you say, hey, I've been thinking I'd really like to read, you know, a lot of other horror films have been remade and some of them have been successful and loved and all of that. And it, at the very least, it draws attention to the original. You know, you could say something like that. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, go ahead. I mean, that might be a good idea. I don't really think it needs it. I like the movie. But, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't slap them in the face if they wanted to. I'd be interested yeah. in seeing it. But to say, no, say well, you know, I was, yeah, uh, to say I was inspired by the success of Hallett. Dude, nope. <laughs> come nope. on. Nope. nope. That's what right. I think is funny about it. Yeah. As far as them making, like I said, if they were to pull in a, a small production company who could uh, throw a little bit of money at it and some care. Yeah. Uh, 
then I think it could be a solid production. And I think it would, you know, I would be interested in seeing it. So if, you know, go that route and, and I think you'll be okay, but don't plan on, on raking in any of the Halloween or get out money. Cause it's not nope. going to happen. No. So. Um, <laughs> Speaking uh, of. <laughs> yes. Halloween. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Oh, nice segue. <laughs> Sorry. Well handled, I'm trying too. to be all smooth here, and apparently it's not working. Yeah. Uh, you were Mike Merriman there for a second with that segue. Jamie, um, Jamie was just like, and Vanessa. So, so let me back that up. So, yeah, Bo can edit that out, right? Um, so I'm going to make that pause can. longer. He I'm going to double. But he won't. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. I'll double the pause on it, so it's just like... Speaking of uh, crickets, you know. Speaking of Halloween, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to tell us that more? That brings us to the next story on our list, which is uh, Halloween home video release will include seven. Count them in your in your head, please. You know, deleted slash extended scenes. The real moral of this story is that Jamie doesn't read ahead. I just think <laughs> that we ought to. Pause. No, I knew what was coming, but I didn't know she was segueing. I was that that does that's not a thing. So why would I, I thought she was actually trying to I thought that's she was not a thing. To, what do you mean? Segueing or me having the ability to segue. No, her having the history of segueing. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm not used to that. I thought she was gonna bring up something else she wanted to talk about. I wasn't expecting her to move into the next story. I have the next story pulled up right in front of my face. I know what's going on. All right. What about <laughs> Halloween? Try, try to pin that shit on me, Ransdell. Oh, I'm pinning. I'm pinning all the live long day. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, there's something about some deleted scenes or something. Moving on. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, yeah. The, the, the Blu-ray or whatever is going to have some deleted scenes. I, I still When is it coming out? Uh, let's see. Uh, January 15th. And it's coming out on VOD, I think, a different date. <laughs> if I remember reading the story, I don't even have it open, and I remember. It's it's hitting DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K Ultra HD on January 15th. And uh, additionally, it will be available for digital purchase on December 28th. There you so, go. So uh, special features uh, on the DVD, Blu-ray, 4K release will include some deleted or and extra scenes, extended shooting range, a shower mask visit, a jog to a hanging dog, Allison and friends and friends at school. Oh, these are the, the deleted scenes. Cameron and cops don't mix. Deluxe Ban hmm? Deluxe Ban Me cops and Sartain and Hawkins right along. It also includes Back in Haddonfield, Making Halloween, The Original Scream Queen, The Sound of Fear, Journey of the Mask, and The Legacy of Halloween. I'm excited about that release. I am too. I really enjoyed the film. So I was going to ask I, if you guys, if either of you guys had seen it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I went opening weekend and uh, I really, really, really enjoyed what they did with that. And then I proceeded to get into a lot of online arguments with a bunch of people, mm -hmm. but, you know, because that's internet. Well, I enjoyed it a lot, but it was more after the fact. Like I said, I, I was enjoying it in the theater, and then I was just with a bad audience, and it was distracting me, and I started getting angry. But, <laughs> so I'm like... Well, you said that earlier. I started that is thinking about it. 
later and I'm like, yeah, that was actually, I enjoyed that more. And I, you know, so that's why I want to rewatch it. <laughs> were they bad as in talky or bad as in uh, like, what were they doing that was just was annoying? Talking, checking cell phones, you know, the, oh, no. there were a I lot of, there were a lot of tweens. That. There were a lot of tweens and young children. <laughs> mm. Which I was at one point, I've seen with my friend, and we saw a group come in and we're like, is that a field trip? There were so many young, like when I say children, I mean like uh, basically under 13. I mean, yeah, children. Some, there was like even an infant, <laughs> and only a couple adults amidst all of these kids. It was crazy. So they were a little rambunctious at times, and it was just like, oh, fuck off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah. I haven't anyway. seen it yet. Yeah. You haven't seen it yet? I, I, no, I haven't seen it yet. Hmm. I just. I, uh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll see it at some point. I'm just. I, I think I said it on this show, just the the idea behind the film, uh, mm-hmm. the the direction they're taking the Laurie Strode character. I, right. eh, it just wasn't the story I wanted to see with that character. Um, I, I don't well, know what that story is, but I just, I, I was like, okay, fine. I'll, no, I'll see it at exactly some point. What, it's not exactly what I wanted to see either. And I really, I really love the Halloween franchise. Even the bad ones. Um, but, I, yeah, it's not exactly what I wanted. But I was still very happy with it. I was yeah, pleasantly was surprised, actually. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I said, I, I will absolutely see this film at some point, probably when it hits VOD. Uh, I don't Ooh. know that I'll go out to the theater to see it. Although I still could, I suppose. We did a fairly in-depth breakdown on the Skeleton Crew. Um, mm-hmm. Our Halloween episode. Uh, we did our because we do one episode a year now we do our Halloween special Um, and that I mean so if anybody wants to hear me speak on my thoughts more extensively you can hear it there but because I pretty much go we all go like just dig right in and tell everybody what we think and why and there's a there's a lot to unpack with that film I found and yeah yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit and Uh, something else I want to note about that movie I mean, it has, it's broken all these records at the box office. Mm-hmm. And one of them is not just, it's the highest grossing film, any genre, with a lead female over the age of 55. That is a huge fucking deal. So it's broken all these records in the horror community and as far as like women in the horror community, but it's also women in film in general. It actually well. I mean, when did the fifty-five part come in? Because I thought it was I thought it was just any female lead, any genre ever. Well, it hasn't done like Wonder Woman movie. Well, that no, I'm saying it may have gotten to that point. I don't, but I don't think it has yet. Because I mean, well, it's just I've never heard of that specific for the age of fifty-five. No, with shoulder-length hair, (laughs) who's told to gun in the film and wears jeans. But no, that isn't actually, it's a very significant thing because, you know, and it's the highest grossing, what, for any female lead in horror. Yeah, yeah. that is, that is, yeah. Right. I, I mean, I think that 
because my, my <laughs> feelings about the new Halloween are a little complicated. Because on the yeah. one hand, I I think all of that is wonderful. I I I can't. I would never dream of taking the success of this film away. Uh, no. And and for for those who are just like you fucking asshole, don't say an unkind word about Halloween or Queen Jamie Lee. Uh, I'm like, it's still a flawed movie, right? Well, but I, like I haven't seen it in in my own reticence about seeing it is not a slam on the movie. It's just yeah. like eh, I, that just hasn't been the way I perceive that film. I just haven't been in the mood for that kind of movie. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean that I I won't see it or won't enjoy it. Um, yeah. And I will, before end of the year, I will certainly see it before assembling a, a top ten list. Because, I don't know, I just don't want to go into it with a bad taste in my mouth of like... Right. I, like, I feel obligated to see Halloween, not... I want to I see Halloween. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I what was the point I of all know. this? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, they're new, new uh, bonus Halloween material. being released on all those platforms. Yeah. Moving on to the next story. Well <laughs> I'm keeping us on schedule. Yay. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, the next one is kind of sad. Uh, William Goldman died at 87. Oh, yeah, that is a bummer. And I yeah, it was another, like, obituary type thing to the table, but this is pretty important. You gotta. It's William Goldman. It's it's yeah. the guy who coined the phrase "nobody knows anything." You know, he's he's a genius. I have a handful of movie posters on my walls. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is one of them. It's simply one of the best pieces of cinematic writing that ever was. Yeah, that was his. Uh, that was one of his Oscar wins, and then uh, after that, he went on to win one for All the President's Men as well. No, oh, that's, that's he also real good adapted too. the Stepford Wives, which we've uh, has even been name checked in this episode. I love that. I love that movie, and I love. That, I mean, I love that book. I love that book too, and it's a great adaptation of the book. Yeah, um, magic is one that will speak to horror fans, or should. If it doesn't, then you guys need to watch that shit. It's on Shutter right um, now. Uh, we covered that on ABC's on the M episode, so. Check it out. And then, of course, there's The Princess Bride, which is actually what made me know who he was. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that's what brought. And I have his novelization of that, which is a very fun read. I I love the guy. I think he was extremely talented. I love the fact that he genre hopped as much as he did. I mean, he could do just about anything. There's a great story about him doing... um... I want to say it might have even been The Grinch recently. It was one of the movies that we we did talk about, Pick Six, where he had been brought in as uh, as the writer on the film. Yeah. And um, one of many, you know, he was like a go-to Hollywood gunslinger. You know, like you would get William Goldman to work on your script because he's fucking William Goldman. And um, I think it was a Jim Carrey film. Because the, he, as the star, was starting to make all kinds of crazy demands. And enough so that the director, who I think was Chris Columbus, uh, ditched the project. And William Goldman followed about a day and a half later. And his line at, on his way out the door of that movie was, I am too old and too rich for this shit. Ah, and, ah that's mm, awesome. Yeah. And that's just William Goldman. Like, he was... Yep. 
he was awesome at what he did. He knew he was awesome at what he did and he didn't suffer fools. Well, and all of those things are reasons to admire the guy. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Too rich for this shit. <laughs> like, I don't have to deal with your bullshit. Exactly. Like, why I'm go on home and roll around in my money? Right. Why on earth would I waste my my good valuable time with with a bunch of bullshit when I don't have to? Because if I never work another day in my life, that's fine. You know, yeah. just oh man, that guy had the fucking bulls on that guy um, at times. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, like I said, it's a real shame. But he lived 87 years and had an amazing life. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it sucks whenever anyone dies. But that guy left behind a body of work that is is undeniable. You know, <laughs> like he's he will forever be one of the greatest screenwriters that ever lived. Yeah, I cannot argue that fact. Agreed. For sure. Except for you, Bo. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm not, look... I put I put my heart on my sleeve there for a second. You can you can throw all the barbs you want at me, Jenkins. <laughs> that was that a barb? I'm saying he was one of the greatest screenwriters that ever lived, except for you. It was a compliment. Oh, I thought you were making was, fun. Yeah, she was trying to be nice. Uh, she was trying. She is nice. She. <laughs> she was, <laughs> I'm going to clarify that, Jamie. Yes, you are nice, and you. You were being nice. Bo just doesn't know how to take a compliment. It's I know, you're well, probably right. I, you know what? I, I love you, it's Bo, but you don't have to take I, a compliment. <laughs> I understand. He's been dodging barbs from me for a very long time. So, you know, when something nice actually flies in your face, you're like, "What? What?" <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But no, I meant it. I meant it well. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, let's see uh, Home Sweet Home is a lean and mean Thai horror machine or it's really not it says experience but I thought machine would sound better there yeah it does <laughs> a lot of folks tend to go to the J-horror spectrum when talking about the wave of otherworldly and petrifying Asian horror picks but truth be told Thailand has some of the most intensely terrifying horror experiences around and Home Sweet Home brings all that terror usually spread out in film and instead sets it up in an interactive claustrophobic nightmare. You take on the role of Tim, a poor fella. <laughs> okay. Um, it's class was, warfare. I tell you, <laughs> is that why the a, police are coming in my neighborhood suddenly? Like I had to mute the mic. They're going nuts over here. <laughs> really? Wow. Class warfare. Anyway, continue. Is there a poor fella? <laughs> Yeah. Tim, not <laughs> one of us. Yeah. Anyway, continue with the story. I'm too rich for this shit. Um, <laughs> who is on an emotional spiral since the disappearance of his wife. When he wakes up in a dilapidated building with no idea how he got there, he finds that he is going to have to piece together clues while surviving against supernatural forces to discover the truth behind his wife's disappearance. Home Sweet Home is steeped in Thailand's rich supernatural folklore <laughs> in every beat. Those families with Thailand ghosts know the terror behind each of the ghosts. Comes from the believable, organic, almost corporeal presence the tales can psychologically manifest. While the game is primarily a stealth survival horror akin to Soma and, Out and Outlast, it mixes in a fair variety of action and puzzles 
to keep things interesting along the way. Oh my goodness. Right. And the gig is, it's like a VR game as well. I do believe. Oh man, that would kill me. Be fun. Yeah. I, uh, I love outlast. I never played Soma. Brian did though. It's one of his favorite games, but, um, <laughs> things like uh what was the what was the alien one that was a stealth game alien, alien isolation a few years ago alien oh. i'm the wrong person to ask <laughs> when anyway, it comes to video games <laughs> that one scared me so bad i had to stop playing it <laughs> i never went back but i get really immersed in in things particularly when they're stealth so I, but if you throw VR into mi- into the mix with that, then it will probably it will put me in a loony bin, but in all the best ways. Um, let's see, they were able to check this out via Xbox One and PSVR, and uh, according to them, both were frightening experiences. VR is definitely the way the game should be played. It cranks the scares and the claustrophobic atmosphere up to ten. Uh, it is out now on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. Well, why haven't I heard of this before? I'll have to check it out. I don't know, but I put this, I have to say, I threw this out here just for Bo. No, I, like, I'm a big chicken about these games, ultimately. Uh, I enjoy them. Uh, but yeah, you throw me in uh, the PSVR setting, for example, something like Resident Evil 7, scared the ever-living shit out of me. That's a good game. Um, it's a really good game, and in VR, it's fucking horrifying. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those, I th- those games work really well. Uh, somebody pointed out, somebody much smarter than me, pointed out that what makes those games work is that if you're playing a horror game at a monitor or on your television, you can look away. You know? Right. Like, you can... Right. The, the eyes can move away from the screen. But mm-hmm. when you're in VR... Looking away Trapped. is just, yeah, some it's, other yeah. horror coming for you. Right. And, uh, which is what makes it great, but it's also the reason that I will wet myself. <laughs> and, and I look. don't need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, there are scares that I'm looking forward to. And because I, I said this recently about the, you know, Haunting of Hill House, that, like, you're chasing the dragon for that movie that can legitimately scare you. And and I got some legitimate scares out of Hill House. And, but there is a different thing with VR where it just doesn't seem as hard to to manufacture that sensation for me. Which, in theory, would mean, like, I should do nothing but play VR horror games. But I don't know that I like the way they scare me. It's like the difference between being whiskey drunk and wine drunk or something. You know? Yeah. Where it's like, I, yeah, yeah, I can drink all the wine that uh, you you want, but a whiskey hangover, that's like, you got to call out. You can't just walk around like a person if, if you're whiskey <laughs> hungover. Yeah, it depends on the whiskey. I'm talking walk around like a person. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you're just like. Differently. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, sure. Like the rock gut stuff. Also is... the same. Anyway, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> Being an asshole. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, like, this is what I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, that seems real cool. I don't. Again, I, to play it, I would almost need to, like, stream it simultaneously so I could feel like there was another presence besides 
me and whatever video game horrors awaited. See how that would help. Although I don't know, like I usually play games and Brian's sitting right next to me. That doesn't always help me. The other, <laughs> um, I don't know if you play Tomb Raider, but um, playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider, <laughs> there are these like creature. They're well, they're people, but they're. Uh, she refers to them as creatures because they're kind of just like wild animalistic. They will come and they will fuck you up, you know. Um, and I was walking through this cave and I was trying to be all like sneaky walking through the cave and i'm like what is that and i started to say something and one of these bastards jumped down on me and i scream i mean i screamed from every like every fiber of my soul was screaming and brian's cracking up and that's why it i it's not healthy for me to play VR games because you put that just regular in front of me and it, it uh, can ruin my day. Sure. Cause I get way, way, way too sucked in. But um, I did try the, um, the VR, the closest thing I've gotten was like the rail shooter that, that they made for um, uh, until dawn. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's okay. And that was fun, you know, but even that kind of freaked me out, but it was fun. <laughs> it freaked you out. It did, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, I'm not. But see, I also fell down when I was playing. <laughs> I fell down when I was playing Office Simulator. So you know. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> um, and <laughs> uh, the Purge TV series renewed for season two by USA, and you know what? I never actually watched the first season. We were supposed to, and then we ended evil episodes, and I never got around to watching the show. We did, however, watch the first Purge, uh, the movie, but anyway. Um, one of the most surprisingly popular horror franchises to come out of the current decade is Blumhouse Productions' The Purge. The basic premise is simple, but very intriguing. You know, over 12 hours, you can do whatever you want. In the dystopian America found in the Purge films, the answer to that question is most often murder. Lots and lots of murder. Personally, I think more people would be stealing expensive cars and big screen TVs, but admittedly, that wouldn't be nearly as suspenseful of a scenario. There are so, so far have been four Purge installments, three of which were written and directed by series creator mastermind James DeMonico. The overall franchise has earned more than $450 million worldwide on production budgets so, so far never exceeding $13 million. Based on the success, Blumhouse brought The Purge to TV this year airing on USA, while reviews weren't good. Audiences didn't care, turning the series into USA's top-rated drama. Now Deadline reports that it's officially been renewed for a second season. So did it was supposed to be a 10-episode event series. Oh, man, so they under-the-domed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. That, uh, that is usually not a good sign when a television show gets under-the-domed. But... Um, I don't know. I didn't see this series, so I don't. I can't really say. Did either of you guys watch it? No, no I wanted to, um, but just I haven't caught up with it yet. That was pretty much the way I was here. Brian was in no hurry because he's not a fan of the films. I actually see, enjoyed. I like the I like the, the films actually I quite, too. quite a bit. 
So, um, I do too. So I was looking forward to seeing the TV show just to see what it's like. I mean, uh, the way I work is because we watch a lot of TV uh, because, well, it used to be because of evil episodes. And so, and so much horror television has been glutting the, the, the networks in the past several years that we've had to basically install all this rule where I give a, a TV show three episodes. If you can't pull me in in three episodes, then I've got to move on to something else. So I was going to give it the requisite three episodes. I just haven't done that yet. At you, least. And then if I like it, I will continue. You've given it zero episodes. I have given it zero. Well, what, did you give it any, Bo? No, but I don't have a rule either. <laughs> I'm just like, no, nah, I, I ain't watched that. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, now I am not. I don't have the obligation to watch everything like I used to because I no longer have a show that deals with it. So you know, there's that. I will eventually watch it though because I am curious. So, did you watch it, Vanessa? No, I haven't, and I, oh, that's I, right. I want to. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to. I very much. So I yeah, and I haven't really heard many people talk about seeing it. So. I either so it kind of surprises me that it was that incredibly popular because i never heard anyone talk about it yeah that's exactly how i feel but i'm glad that you know i think there there are interesting ideas that could be done that could be done throughout a series type situation that would you know work better there compared to a film well, I wonder what I'm wondering about, and I don't know anything about it because, like I said, I haven't heard anyone talk about it. I never read anything about it. I, mm-hmm. you know, beyond the fact that it was coming. So I don't know. Does the entire series or does the entire season take place over one purge night? Is it like from different points of view? Is it? I don't. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. It could be interesting if it was like a 24 kind of thing mm-hmm. in that each episode was like an hour or you know a real time hour or something yeah. like that but i don't know yeah but i am curious or you could kind of weave together the stories of people purging in different locations so you had multiple storylines going on through the season or something yeah I which i, I honestly maybe, maybe and, that's and, what they and do intersecting at different points kind of like what happens in trick-or-treat yeah sure the way i mean as far as like that's an anthology film but just everything weaves in and out and yeah, you could do something like that over the course of one night and that's one season. As a matter of fact, fuck all this purge shit. How about just a trick or treat show? And (laughs) now I'm on board. Yeah. Well that I'm totally, yeah. On board for too. Did you guys ever see a film called 1114? I think it was 1114. Could have been 1113. No, it was 11 something, but I think it was 1114. Basically it was, and, and that is in a time. So it was a eleven fourteen at night, and this was like six different people's stories that all happened at the same time, that mm-hmm. all took place at that minute, huh. and then it sort of goes. The film goes through the e like the evening leading up to that, and you kind of see where these people's paths crossed here and there. It's really well done and really interesting, and Patrick Swayze of all people is in it. Well, and like that night on that movie Night on Earth, where it's different time zones across the world, but it's one hour chunk, and what happens in that hour to like I think five different people, they're just different time zones across the world. That's cool. Wasn't yeah, Tom Waits a cab driver in that film? Um, I think he was. Winona Ryder's in it. Yeah, it's uh, Jarvis, um, right? 
Jim Jarmusch, yeah. Okay. And um, it's got uh, Roberto Benini as for the Italian segment, <laughs> like <laughs> where he has a dead priest in the back or cardinal in his car, his his cab. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a good movie. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Jarmish had a run there that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, sorry. All right. Well, yeah. Purge. Purge coming second season. Um, you know what? I'd be interested if anyone has watched it. Drop us a line in the comments. In the uh, like, this is YouTube. And the, on the Facebook group page, <laughs> uh, just let me know. It, tag me in it. Let me know if anybody has watched the show and what you think of it. Because I'm curious. Yeah, me too. Uh, let's see. Um, okay, rounding out the news, we've got Five Nights at Freddy's receives a new movie script and HD console ports. I cannot believe this is still a thing. And I only <laughs> included this because of David. <laughs> well, you know what I was about to say? My next <laughs> sentence was going to be, I cannot see anything about Five Nights at Freddy's without thinking of David. I can't. Yes. The fact that he made me read that fucking book for VD Clinic. That was our first fucking episode. And I somehow still talk to him. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. It's, it's bad. <laughs> Well, when thinking of horror games, most will immediately consider huge titles such as Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Fatal Frame. Wow, they included Fatal Frame. Good for them. Mm -hmm. um, that's an excellent game. It is an excellent game. My eyes, my <laughs> Yet this article is about fucking five. I know, I know, it's crazy. Uh, Clock Tower and The Evil Within. Oh, another good one. I like that one. Um, but the genre owes much of its recent commercial success to the indie market, especially Scott Cawthon's minimalist point-and-click series Five Nights at Freddy's, focusing on the already jarring and terrifying aesthetics of anthropomorphic animatronics, such as Chuck E. Cheese. Five Nights at Freddy's galvanized both indie horror and indie games by showing that sometimes less is more when it comes to game, to game mechanics. I mean, isn't it just like jump scare the game? Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I've never played it. I, I just never have. I've no. never played it. And I've always wanted to just because, just once, just to see. Because the because of David. That when he I first, know, right? When he first started playing that game and he was just talking about how much it scared the shit out of him. And I was like, I gotta play that. And then I never did. And then like 150 years later, it's still going. Okay, yeah. and then... If you continue this article, it's a long fucking article, so you don't even have to read the entire thing, Jamie. But <laughs> what they're talking about expanding, like all these properties, like of that came out of this game, it just boggles my mind that it's this kind of franchise on this many platforms. Like it's no longer just a video game. It's yeah, no, it's, it's a, like, <laughs> yeah, it is part of the zeitgeist. It is. I mean, there are entire. YouTube channels devoted to I know <laughs> to Five Nights at Freddy's. Matt Pat has done a shit ton of videos just devoted to FNAF. Um, there are, I mean, <laughs> it's a cultural phenomenon and one that I have never actually. I've seen clips of it um, just because of videos, but I have never actually played it. But I guess, um, I guess now they're going to be. Do How would you do a movie? Why? Why? 
Because I mean, why would you do a movie? Why do you need more than one book? Why did you need one book in the begin to begin with? But yeah. I think there are five is more. Anyway, yeah, that's Zora. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to me because you know the video game. It, as far as I know, there's not much to it. I think it's just your nice security guard at this place, and you gotta not be attacked by these animatronics, like because they'll force you into their suit or something. I don't know. Yeah, but and there's like, like I sound like somebody's grandmother trying to describe. <laughs> all I know is what I read in that stupid book, and somehow I guess it's mythology that's like over multiple I think games or something I don't know I kind of tried to block it out of my mind but I have a little bit of PTSD but <laughs> it's all fair it's all fair and uh, that's that that yeah. be the news alright thank you Jamie and uh, now folks it is time for Ask DTP uh, let's get right to it uh, John Rhodes asks us what films are you going to be picking up on Black Friday uh, slash Cyber Monday deals? Any any movies that you are uh, either of you are looking forward to uh, snagging on a discount? Uh, Vanessa, what about you? I have not even thought about it yet. That was actually part of my, oh, okay, now that I have a few days off from work, and even though I'm still going to be doing some work on my time off, I will have still a little bit of time to actually just chill for myself and I'll be looking online then. I have not thought about it though. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just all of a sudden, how is it all of a sudden Thanksgiving and you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday and everything. I don't, yes. I don't know where the year's gone. I, I, I would agree with you. Uh, Jamie, what about you? Are there any deals you're looking to, uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, movies are not anything I ever actively shop for. I, I don't really need to. <laughs> like, we usually end up just getting the most of the new releases that I want and, and like anything I want. And occasionally I will, but it's usually for like gifts, like uh, birthday presents, Christmas presents. And I never, ever, ever think of Black Friday when I, I never think of movies when I think of Black Friday. I'm not a big Black Friday fan anyway. So I don't, I don't really do much at all during that time. So no, <laughs> I guess would be the answer to that. None. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat in that I don't have a particular movie I'm looking for. Um, I'll probably, you know, poke my nose around a little bit um, and and see what's available. I do. I, I, w- I actually would like uh, one of those um, 4K zombie restorations. But the big thing I'm looking forward to uh, or looking for on this Black Friday is I need a decent coffee maker. Um, and I'm going to keep an eye out online for a deal on that. And that's, that's sort of it. I'm, I'm, I've been domesticated to an alarming degree where I'm just like, yeah, if I could find, you know, it would be really nice. A uh, French press uh, at a reasonable price. Wouldn't that be a delight? Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think that zombie Blu-ray, um, I'm... That that is totally totally worth it. If you were a fan of that film, that is one that I would put the money on. Yeah, or money down for. I'll tell you what I, I'm keeping an eye out for is they just dropped a uh, season two of The Outer Limits on Blu-ray, and if I saw a good deal on that, I'd probably snatch that up. I, I like I like some Outer Limits. There you go. I don't know why I don't like. Ever... 
Black Friday is good for series, in my opinion. Like, that's what I've, you know, if, like, the couple times I've actually shopped, like, Black Friday-type deal or Cyber Monday, it's usually I get more um, TV series. And it's, like, big set or big, like, sets of movies. Yeah, yeah. I Like, I'm in the market for something like that because uh, I'm starting to watch movies uh, sort of theme-oriented for a couple of reasons. And, you know, so if I can pick up, like, Hey, here's every James Bond movie for 50 bucks. That kind of stuff really, you know, kind of guns my motor. Maybe uh, James Bond's not a great example because now that I think about it, I don't know that I would pay $50 to watch a lot of those James Bond movies. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, moving on. Carl Strayer asks us, what's your favorite forgotten horror movie? Uh, mine's either Dr. Terror's House of Horrors or children shouldn't play with dead things, which is a, a pretty good. Uh, n- Love it. Yeah, the, the children yeah. shouldn't play with dead things is pretty good stuff. Um, yeah. uh, Vanessa, what about you? Is, is there one of the one of those like mm-hmm. movies in your pocket that you're like nobody ever talks about this, but I fucking love this movie. Well, I feel like I feel like for years people really didn't talk about the haunting. And now people are talking about The Haunting again. Like, even before the series came out, I feel like there was a certain amount of the public that just didn't catch on to it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. But I think people have come around on it. Uh, and people are come, have come around or are coming around. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. But I, I know there are other things, but I mean, like, Liquid Sky is the same way for me. Sure, sure. Um, in, in the same era, though, as The Haunting, I would say, like, The Uninvited, which is uh, a Blu-ray we gave away recently. Thank you, uh, Vanessa. Um, yes. But that's another the one. That, the Innocence yeah. is another one in that era that's like, man, no, these are, like, now that people are watching The Haunting, check out mm-hmm. the, check out those two. Yeah. And they're n- not as good as The Haunting, but they're both really fucking good. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, it's like Carnival of Souls. That, yeah. Yeah. Carnival of Souls. Yeah, that's a great movie. Same thing. I don't feel like enough people talk about that. The thing with Carnival, though, is that it has been ripped off so many times. Yeah. That if people who people who don't know the film, if they go back and watch it now, it's not it, it's not gonna be anything that blows them away because they know the story just from seeing all the other all the ripoffs, and that's sad. Because it's an excellent film, but it's the camera I, work and everything is a is a different level than I would say most things whatever that have ripped it off. Well, it, so that's it true. elevates it and brings it into something different. It does, and I always think that even if you do, I personally think that it's good to know and the where things come from. Anyway, you know, like I, I like to know. Oh, if this, this is a this story was done. Mm-hmm. back then with this let me go check it out you know that's yeah. i like that sort of thing yeah. but you know i'm just saying a lot of people who if they were to try to go back if they weren't familiar they'd be like oh man this isn't new you know or this isn't exciting you know yeah. i've seen it happen that's why i'm <laughs> we'll no cut, no we'll cut to the chase i've actually tried and i've seen it i'm not i haven't tried i've tried to show it to people and i've seen that reaction so that's why yeah. and it was disappointing made me sad uh well uh jamie let's mm. pull you out of that uh tailspin of depression um 
Oh, can I? Th- I just have one more that I want to add. Oh, sure. Spider Baby. Oh, yeah, sure. Is that uh, Herbert Lum? It's Jack Hill directed the- it. Right. S- Sid Haig is in it. Um, who else? Who's the? Is it Chaney Jr.? Is that who's in yeah, it? Yeah, Lon okay. Chaney Jr. is in it. Like, yeah, really. Okay alcoholic Lon Chaney Jr. Like bad. Like when he was really bad. Oh God. It's yeah. Um, yeah. I forget who else is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Spider baby's good. Um, all right, Jamie. Now, now it's down to you. Well, um, hmm. that's kind of tough. I do an entire podcast <laughs> about this subject, but I will tell you the film that, um, that I st- had on my brain when we started the show was the skeleton key that is a film that i love and uh, no one ever talks about it and so that kind of that was when brian came up with the idea to do abcs that's the first thing that popped into my head that i wanted to talk about um that and as long as we're on the ghost kick i will throw out the changeling i still don't think it gets the recognition it deserves and um, if you just watched the, if anyone has watched the most recent, as of this recording, Eli Roth's History of Horror, they were talking about uh, supernatural movies and ghost films, and they did actually bring up the Changeling. Thankfully, it took them long enough into the episode to get to it, but they did bring it up, and he did say that's one that not a lot of people are aware of. He feels. Um, people know the big ones, but no one really talks about that one, and I think it's true. And I also happen to think it's one of the best ones. So uh, if you are a fan of supernatural films, ghost movies, if you've never seen The Changeling, I recommend you remedy that. Yeah. Uh, just ask Duncan. I I made him watch that several years ago, and and he is a better man now for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were starting with, you know raw material that could only be improved well (laughs) i love you duncan (laughs) but seriously i I will double down on skeleton key too no one ever talks about that movie but it is a solid film it really is yeah it is i I just watched it it for the first time recently no it's it's actually pretty good yeah. Like surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the thing is when you hear what the movie is and who's in it, other than like John Hurt, who is always incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you hear yeah, sorry, what, Kate. Kate. I, I want to say Winslet, and that's not right. Kate, yeah. uh, Kate Hudson. Hudson, Goldie Hawn's daughter is how I yeah. think of her. Uh, but yeah. when you hear like, oh, she's in a movie set in Louisiana about voodoo, it's like, eh, it sounds like, like some appropriation bullshit. And then when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, it kind of is, but also it's pretty good. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, like it, the lore that it's steeped in is really interesting. And it, it mm-hmm. uses that in a really clever way, I think. And um, mm-hmm. no, it, I, it definitely the atmosphere. You know, right, right. It completely it captures that atmosphere so well. That's yeah, perfect. Yeah. It's spot like, on. And it honestly being Southern, the last time I watched that film was why we just covered it on the, the S episode. And the, the last time I watched that, I just, it made me so incredibly homesick uh, just for the South, you know, because it's, it, I don't know. It just, it captures the feel really, really well. well I love new Orleans. I mean, that's the, if I ever moved back down South, I would move to new Orleans. 
I'm more of a Baton Rouge fan when it comes to Louisiana. Mm. I love Baton Rouge. That is one of the most beautiful cities in the I world, just, I think have terrifying memories of driving over that big bridge as a little kid <laughs> sitting in big rainstorms and thinking we were going to slide off the, the bridge and die. Yeah. I, I got trapped in a couple of those like that were really severe. Yeah. It was, it was fucking scary. I just, that's my big memory of Matt Baton Rouge. You know, did you ever see uh blaze? Yes. The blaze star story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You With know, Alita that De, uh, Donovich. Yeah, that the that scene at the that Davidovich, I think Davidovich. Uh, that scene yeah, at the end of the film where it shows her going to his funeral, and then she's at the state capitol, and she walks down the steps of the state capitol, and you get this like overhead shot of her just walking down the the, the steps. I did that when I went to <laughs> when I went to Baton Rouge. I went to I went to that spot specifically so I could make that walk down the stairs. I used to love that movie. What an odd movie, I know. It's like, what? <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's but, a fun um, movie. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything, but now you know. No, it does. <laughs> now you know. Well done. Thank you step. for sharing. That has nothing to do with anything, the Devour nope. the Podcast motto. Um, <laughs> my- <laughs> that should go on a t-shirt. Yeah, right? <laughs> DTV, this has nothing to do with anything. Um <laughs> <laughs> my my forgotten movie is a sci-fi-ish horror flick from the 70s uh called phase four um, oh the ants yeah that's a movie that nobody just... talks about that movie and it's fucking great it just got a blu-ray release it did i've got the blu-ray of it as a matter of fact yeah. and yeah um it has some of the best like miniature cinematography <laughs> i've ever seen in a movie it's amazing like i i don't know how you get ants to act but that is somehow done <laughs> in this movie have you seen the hillstrom chronicles yes it's same same cinematographer uh as a matter of is fact it? yes oh my god my father mr entomologist made me watch that at a very young age <laughs> wow yeah the, the guy who did a lot of the cinematography for that it's intense it is, it, and is slightly apocalyptic, uh, which yep. I appreciate. Oh, it, not just slightly apocalyptic, it's very apocalyptic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's that kind of stuff only with ants, or, or, or large segments. Like, he didn't, he mm-hmm. wasn't cinematographer for the whole movie, but for the ant sequences, he was. And yeah. it's, that movie is so good. I mean, as, like, literally man v. ant in a showdown in the desert for control of the planet. And then it decides to end with an acid trip. It's so good. <laughs> Love that movie. Um, so, Vanessa, your your dad is an entomologist and your mom is a clown. Yeah. Right. And you my dad, cannot, you dad is now a, my dad is now a Catholic deacon. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot make this shit up. That is insane. I love it. <laughs> two of the, I mean, just because it's two of the most random. <laughs> Well, she hasn't always been a clown, but uh. <laughs> I mean, it's just two incredibly random jobs, uh, you know. It does yeah. sound like a Monty Python insult, like the French. <laughs> the French, your father, your mother is a clown, and your father is an entomologist. <laughs> I told yeah. him her father was an entomologist. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I dated him into an entomologist once. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, Silence of the Lambs went a long way towards making entomologists seem like uh, potential members of the dating pool. <laughs> Not guaranteed, but at least in the in the game, finally. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure out there there are entomologist groupies beyond nah. clowns. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's like the old chestnut, like the greatest love story ever told. Between a clown and an entomologist. Uh, that old chestnut. Um, m- m- a lot of the bodice rippers, you know. Those like five and dime covers. Just an entomologist. <laughs> ripping his shirt open. It's like a carapace ripper. Yeah, a carapace ripper is nice. Oh, by the way, speaking of my mother, the clown. We're doing an interview with her over at VD Clinic. For our November episode. <laughs> Are you doing it? No, we're doing Shakes the Clown. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, um, yes, yeah, so we had an interview with, with uh, my mother, the Dancing Fool. Yeah. <laughs> that will be out soon. Anyway. All right. Enough shameless <laughs> self-promotion. promotion <laughs> Stop it. Uh, Lori on. <laughs> says, hey, guys. Hey, Lori. Uh oh, What's your favorite holiday horror movie? She uh, asks. I personally love Rare Exports. That's from Lori, not me. Um, although well, Rare Exports is good. Um, Jamie, what is your favorite holiday horror movie? Uh, Krampus. Oh yeah, you go into like late, uh, l- late release on, yeah, on this I mean, one. It's it came in. Well, that's what Doherty does, man. He comes in, he blows the holiday out of the water. And then takes over. Like, Trick or Treat is one of my favorite, if not, I mean, close to my fucking favorite Halloween, era, you know, season films. And um, when he came in with Krampus, it just, um, yeah. I mean, bam. Well, and then I my question is, it. is this question, meet when you say holiday movie, do you mean, like, yeah. winter Christmas, whatever, end of the year holiday, or do you mean any holiday of the year holiday? I would assume she meant the f- the first because we were going into the holiday season. Yes. That's where I, that's what I assumed. I don't want to. But I guess, <laughs> you know what, if you were a huge fan of Uncle Sam, you just go ahead and throw that out there. I don't think she's going to be mad at you for it. Yeah. If Vanessa's like, fuck Christmas, I here's know. my favorite Arbor Day horror film. <laughs> And I think you know that's troll too. Um, I'm I'm not working on a lot of sleep here. Um. Make it make it a holiday like a Christmas slash. Not, look, there's not a laundry list of Hanukkah horror films, but if you got one and that's your favorite, then fine. But it needs to be a winter holiday. <laughs> Were you finished, Jamie? I'm sorry. <laughs> I- oh, oh, I just said that prior to Krampus coming onto the scene, Black Christmas was the top of my list. Sure. Okay. Yeah. If you're talking winter, end of the year, uh, I don't, I don't really, I don't celebrate <laughs> holidays at the end of the year. I really only celebrate Halloween. Um, but so if you're talking like end of the year, winter holiday, I would say Black Christmas. Uh, just, and I actually, do watch that every Christmas Eve 
while I'm drinking and just doing stuff around the house. I don't like get into the Christmas spirit or anything, but I do love that movie. And um, speaking of Bob Clark, um, and who also did Dead Children, whatever. Or mm-hmm. Don't <laughs> play with Dead Things. Yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> don't look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but in the year, any holiday Those of over the year? there going, Jesus Christ, there's two of them now. <laughs> any holiday of the year? <laughs> I'm just going to say, and it's almost as random as Arbor Day, I'm going to say April Fool's Day. I don't know. I kind of love that movie. Oh, I love the shit out of April Fool's Day. In a weird way. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm can... looking at the original one sheet hanging on my wall right now. That is one of my favorite yeah. slasher films. If you like movies that are great big fat liars, then by all means. Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you don't know that at the time. Yeah, Not but until now, you get to the end. Now but I, I do, and the betrayal but I think is fresh. But I think it's still fun. Of course. Yeah. Um, anyway. So my favorite holiday horror movie is, but yeah, it's probably Black Christmas. Although, uh, shout out to Gremlins. Uh, I generally watch both both of those around the Christmas season, and uh, enjoy both of those uh, quite a bit. Uh, I like uh, I, my favorite thing about the movie Gremlins is I like uh, that cartoon of uh the mini theater gremlins running towards the screen <laughs> uh that is one of my favorite things i like that whole muppet show-esque uh theater scene with all oh, the gremlins yeah. having a good time and wearing popcorn buckets on their head because gremlins are just out for some fun I my best friend um, after that movie came out every time we went to the movies my best friend would put the popcorn bucket on her head and sing hi ho hi ho every time I mean and I'm talking until we were probably 15 years old (laughs) until we were in our 30s (laughs) (laughs) if we went to the movies right now she would probably do it yeah except most places don't have buckets anymore yeah that's it's weird Um, John John (laughs) asks us also What's a Thanksgiving Day tradition uh, for you uh, to capitalize on the uh, the holiday uh, questions? And I will just say uh, very briefly, my Thanksgiving Day tradition is basically driving to a place, not being there very long, and then driving a bunch more. Um, but also being a little pleasantly surprised at how well the day goes. <laughs> is a tradition like i go in with such low <laughs> expectations and come away from it like hey that was fine that was all right yeah uh what about you jamie what thanksgiving mm. traditions do you enjoy well if i'm not working then uh, which has been a trend um i eat cook you know i don't know we rarely do the family thing. The last several Thanksgivings, it has been just the two of us because I've been working. So I would actually make dinner just for the two, like this huge dinner for the two of us. So it lasted forever. We'd have leftovers <laughs> forever and ever and ever. But that's okay because who doesn't love Thanksgiving leftovers? But uh, this year we're actually going to go to to see some family, which will involve driving a whole long way. Hopefully not staying there incredibly long and then driving a whole long way back. So I feel you. It's a holiday that is centered around eating. That is, uh, there's really nothing else to it. All right. Well, uh, Vanessa, how about yourself? Any, anything that you do? I know you're not, we, as we've established, 
<laughs> I'm a heathen. Yeah, you're, uh, you're right. You don't. You spit on the flag and Jesus <laughs> in equal measure. Uh, but no, like, is there anything that you normally do on things? Even if it's like, I'll tell you, for a long time, my Thanksgiving tradition was watching The Godfather. Uh, I was just yeah. like, you know, fuck well, the holiday. I'm going to watch uh, Francis Ford Coppola and his band of merry misfits, which is never how The Godfather has been described. No, I I get it. It's like I there's mean, a Godfather marathon on. Yeah, there might be. Or there's some film marathons on different. It varies whatever films you know year to year. There's always something like that. If but um, no, I I will. It's never been a big thing with my family, and now it's just kind of like I will sometimes go to um, like if I have friends that their families live around um, the city, like I'll go out to Long Island or this year, like I'm going to Jersey to visit friends and their little two year old, my little two year old that I get to corrupt. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I'll just like lash onto like someone else's family, like here and there, but sometimes I'll just hang out and I will actually take time to prepare myself a nice Per, like nice meal like okay it might be I'm going to make myself a steak and I'm actually going to think ahead and marinate it overnight and you know it's just a meal that I take at least a little bit more care in but that's all it involves whether I'm cooking it or someone else is cooking it all right um, okay I'll tell you what that is going to do it for SDTP uh, one quick thing before uh, we exit this particular segment um, as I mentioned earlier, when I asked for uh, top 10, uh, or not top 10, but just our, like shit to rank, and people were like, how about these top 10 things? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that ain't how it works. Um, but I'll, let me. we're going to do two quick ones. We're not going to do top 10s. We're just going to do a thing. Uh, so Pete, uh, Pete Quint, uh, asks us, uh, <laughs> top 10 things. Or, I'm sorry, top 10 types of alcohol to consume during Thanksgiving, but we're not going to do 10 of them. Just what is your favorite thing to drink around the holidays in, in preparation for dealing with your family? So, uh, Vanessa, do you have a preferred method of uh, blocking emotion? Wine. <laughs> sure. I, I just go, and because that way I can, it's something I can have at home ahead of time, or and then I'll go whatever family there's always fucking wine there. So in, inevitably you're not the only one drinking. <laughs> More people are going to be drinking that than if you're going to start pouring the vodka or the whiskey. Gotcha. At least that's my experience. So All right. it's the Pied Piper of alcohol. So, and it's usually red wine. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, Jamie, what, uh, what do you use to dull the pain? <laughs> I am a red wine drinker. I am also a gin and tonic drinker. So it depends on, um, what the situation is or what they have if I'm at someone else's house. And uh, I'm also an, an eggnog fan. I look forward to the holidays and starting with Thanksgiving, uh, I enjoy eggnog. And that's actual eggnog with booze. So Yeah, that feels like blasphemy. Um, I would go with Kahlua and coffee. I think that's a sneaky little way <laughs> to make it like to hit the fast forward button on the holiday meal. Um, and, and, you know, no one has to know necessarily, but if they do, uh, fuck them. 
Like, this is how I take my coffee. Boozy. <laughs> um, it's uh, more acceptable, quote unquote, to some people. Yeah. I, I'm not looking for acceptable. It's like it's eggnog just, is for some people. Yes. Like, you don't normally drink. They see that as okay at the holidays. Right. It's, it, it, I could it's say like, in some Bailey's Irish cream right now. Yeah. <laughs> just pour it right on the cheesecake. Um, <laughs> some old kids in the hall sketch it. It it has hung with me forever. Every time I see Bailey's now, I think of pouring a bottle of Bailey's on a cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do that. Damn you, Bruce McCullough. Uh, yep. Maddie uh, from the the good folks at Friday the Thirteenth. He uh, he says, "What is the most surprising way to come out to your uh, family at the dinner table on Thanksgiving?" Um, I say, lean into it. I say, make the turkey do a musical number. And the finale is the reveal. That's me. I've never done it. It seems like it would probably uh, soften the impact for those who just want to see a good musical number featuring the uh, poultry. Um, Jamie, how would you come out to your family on Thanksgiving? Uh, I think I would uh, take a nod from... Fuck, I just lost her. I had it in my head. What's her name? I don't know what you're talking Um, about. (laughs) I'm sorry, you don't. You know, the redhead from... All the John Hughes movies. Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald, yes. I would take a take a tip from Molly Ringwald and say, Can you please can you pass the mashed potatoes? I'm gay. Oh yeah, just slip it in. Oh no, that's exactly what that was exactly my answer. No. That's totally like only she said I'm she said I'm pregnant, but you know in the movie, I mean. Sure. No, that was totally going to be my answer, Jamie. Was, so, hey, folks, you know, you want to know what's new with me? Well, um, it's not new, but I'm gay. Um, can someone please mash the mashed potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> See, and that would be so fitting for you because you have already established your deep love of mashed potatoes. Yeah. Well. It all comes and back everybody to the potatoes. And everybody knows that I love my mashed potatoes. And, like, when, even when I've gone over to friends like families for Thanksgiving, they know ahead of time that I love mashed potatoes. And so they usually make extra <laughs> for me. They know I'm going to pile them on the plate and yeah. sculpt them with my fork and announce yeah. that this means something. They also know I bring good wine. <laughs> oh, yeah. To, to dull the pain from the family members that are there. <laughs> sure. In that case, they're like, look, just give her some mashed potatoes. She's going to get us all drunk. Yeah. All right. I like it. Uh, okay. That's it for STTP slash here's some top 10 stuff. Uh, next time around, when I say, give me something to rank, give me the things. Not like, hey, here's an esoteric idea. Um, <laughs> name not the that top- esoteric ideas are bad. I mean, at least not all the time, but right. in this situation. Right. You know, like- and if you can't think of anything, it's probably okay, because I think Abraham has a stockpile over there or something. Yeah, no. he always comes through. (laughs) Yes, he has been. uh, First of all, following rules, and I respect that. Except when I don't. Um, But in this case, I do. Well done, Abraham. Um, The Ram Man for rules. That's what I say. So, trying to make another segue here, Bo. Yes, (laughs) you mentioned the giveaway winners. Yes. Would you like to expand on that? I would love to, Vanessa. Thank you so much for bringing it up. Um, so what we did is we gave away uh, for uh, someone 
um, to suggest uh, the movies for uh, this time around, uh, the the Lister Choice film, because uh, we're doing this movie a little, or not movie, I'm sorry, we're doing this show a little bit on the fly, because uh, we had originally intended to do the Blair Witch show this month, and then, you know, scheduling didn't work out that way, so we're doing a regular episode of the show this month. And uh, so we asked for suggestions real quick. And Darren Wilson, your co-host for uh, the VD Clinic, uh, actually recommended the movie that we're going to watch tonight, which is uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. We'll get to that in just a moment. Also, we said... I did not, and I did not rig this, people. It just just happened. Yeah, no, I was the one who spun the wheel on that. So any, any claims of impropriety would go towards me. Uh, but I, I assure you, it was randomly selected of, of the people who recommended movies and uh, just happened to land on Killing of a Sacred Deer. And then we're also giving away um, a poster for the Duke that uh, is given away to someone who, in fact, um, suggested uh, a question, uh, gave us a question or suggested a ranking and uh, I haven't selected that name yet. Uh, I have my list here. <laughs> okay. But, but I will do that uh, in short order and they will get a poster. So uh, point being, hey, why don't you hop over to the Legion podcast uh, group page or the Devour the Podcast group page. Either or is fine. You'll see an announcement in both places uh, where we ask for questions and, and the rankings and whatnot. And uh, maybe one of these times you win some stuff. So uh, how about that for the holidays hmm. or other times or when it's just a regular old day how it's about arbor you? day <laughs> it's arbor day you've just watched troll 2 and you want someone to uh to talk to uh to, you want to talk to somebody about it because you're gonna want to talk to somebody oh, after yes. finishing troll 2 and you hop over to the uh the facebook group and there's some people already uh sitting there already discussing troll 2 most likely um and and you'll know that you're home when that happens so um but yeah so that's it and uh and thank you vanessa for supplying the stuff but we'll keep doing that i think that's fun i like i like giving some stuff away to the the, the yeah crowd. Um, yeah definitely is the podcast version of a, a t-shirt cannon you know <laughs> we and <have>. safer <laughs> less fun well. but in that regard oh, it's still fun yeah, I mean nobody's going to lose an eye. Exactly. Which is not ideal. Well, although I don't know, you're on your own when you're once you receive the package and open it, you know, right. <laughs> poke your own eye out. That's your own damn fault, but it's if not going to be something I did. <laughs> if you open the package like the Cookie Monster eats, I suppose that's still a problem. Uh, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, let us know if you lose an eye. Uh, send us a selfie with the patch. That that's pretty cool. Um, we are all for the the lack of depth perception on this show, and always have been. Um, in that regard, let us now turn our attention away from news and questions of the day, and turn them to our two films we will discuss tonight. We're going to do a quick break, and when we come back, our first of those films, the listener recommendation, uh, "Killing of a Sacred Deer." We'll be right back. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. 
We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. We, we don't have to worry about nothing. Because we got the fire, and we're burning one hell of a something. They, they're going to see us from outer space. Yeah, I'm really sorry about Bob. It's nothing serious. No, it is. Like we're the stars of the human race, human race. Where did you two go? When the lights started out, they don't know what they heard. Strike the match, playing loud, giving love to the world. How did his father die? A surgeon never kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can. Because we got the fire, fire, Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. To get used to it. Where is she? What did you do to her? We're gonna let it burn, burn, burn. I don't understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price. It's the only thing I can think of as close to justice. We can light it up, up, up. So they can put it out, out, out. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, the first movie on episode 131 of Devour the Podcast is a listener-selected film. Uh, we get a number of requests from listeners. We spin the wheel of Devour, and it decides, godlike, what uh, what film it is we're going to be watching. The suggestion that came up this time around is 2017's The Killing of a Sacred Deer. It is directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. And uh, is summarized thusly, Stephen, a charismatic surgeon, is forced to make an unthinkable sacrifice after his life starts to fall apart when the behavior of a teenage boy he has taken under his wing turns sinister. Uh, This stars um, Colin Farrell as Stephen Murphy, Nicole Kidman as Anna Murphy, uh, Sonny Suljic as Bob, uh, the kid, and... um, uh, Raffi Cassidy as Kim, the daughter, and then uh, Martin, the kid, the uh, outsider in this family equation, is uh, Barry Kogan, Keoghan, um, and Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, worth noting. Like, I totally forgot that she was in this. Right, it's like when Patrick Swayze shows up in Donnie Darko, and you're like, oh, right. <laughs> Patrick Swayze's in this, son of a bitch. And that's how Alicia Silverstone in this movie is. Um, yeah, and there's uh, the guy's buddy. I just started watching uh, The Looming Tower. The, the doctor buddy, Colin Farrell's doctor buddy, is an amazing character on The Looming Tower on Hulu. And so seeing mm-hmm. him, it, it's like I didn't know him as an actor before, really. And seeing him just after having started watching that show, uh, I'm like, oh, right, he's really good. I got excited about seeing him, even though he's got a very small part in this. Anyway, um, that is uh, the the breakdown on Killing of a Sacred Deer. But it's difficult to summarize the events, the goings-on, the thematic intricacy of something like Killing of a Sacred Deer and to unspool that in a way that all of us can easily understand, I must first turn to Jamie. Jamie, 
what did you make of the killing of a sacred deer? Well, I'll tell you this right off. It uh, it made my top 10 list last year. It, and for a lot of reasons. One, I there is so much Kubrick flying around in this film uh, uh, cinematically. Like it just it looks incredible. I love that. A lot of people were put off by the performances and obviously it's not the actor's choice. It was clearly the director's choice. But a lot of people were put off by the fact that everyone seemed off kilter. Everyone, every conversation seemed not normal. Nothing seemed to flow. Uh, it was stilted. It was, um, I don't know, just un- unusual. And that was one of the things that drew me to it. And I think it's because with everyone performing the way that they did, it allowed me to have a sense of unease throughout the entire film. I was permanently uneasy. And it's not that anything horribly gross or disgusting or scary was even happening. It's that because of the environment that the director created, it was everything was slightly askew from what we expect it to be. The conversations just weren't normal. Uh, so it, it wasn't just a manner of speaking, but it's the conversations themselves you know, like a conversation that we have when uh, in the hospital when suddenly we're talking about body hair and then um, Colin Farrell is taken off his shirt. And I'm like, oh, and like there's a part of me that part of me that feels uncomfortable when your friend gets in trouble it's at home and like at your, your friend's house and, and their mom starts yelling at them for something and you don't want to be there like you're just I, I don't I don't even want to witness this. That's exactly how I felt watching scenes like that when I just was like, oh, my God, somebody's going to walk in and they're going to think there's something inappropriate going on. And I'm like, ah, you know, and uh, didn't. But it, it that's the I was on edge the entire time. And the interesting thing I think about this is watching the relationship unfold, because when we first meet the kid and Colin Farrell, you don't really know their relationship. You don't quite. And so all these different scenarios are flying through my head until it starts to unfold and we start to to find out exactly what's going on you know it's like oh are they do they have some kind of weird you know love affair going on is this some kind of weird sex thing what is happening and then you know you start to the the layers start to get peeled back and you start to understand what exactly is is happening and it's um i don't know that too gives it a a sense of uneasiness or gives me a sense of uneasiness and one that basically just permeated throughout the entire film and so I was actually on the edge of my seat the whole time and I could feel my stomach churning the whole time and it's just because the what the director did was masterful in just forcing everything to be just a little off center, just enough off center to make you squirmy. And I was squirmy. When I watched this film, I squirm. And it's just, I can't be still. I noticed it the when we first watched it last year, it I, I can't I can't sit still. I'm constantly moving around. I'm con- you know, and it's not because I'm not into the film. I was very into the film. It's because I can't be comfortable in my own skin. It just it gets under my skin and and you know, when I was finished with it, I'm like, "Oh my god. I don't know the last time a film affected me physically that way. There was an actual physical effect that that took place there." 
And I can understand why some people don't enjoy that, don't, don't enjoy this film or, or don't get into it or don't uh, don't appreciate what he was doing. Like, I get that. I don't think it's, I don't think that they're wrong, but it, I mean, it's not going to work for everyone. It's not going to get under everyone's skin the way it got under mine, but I, it did work for me. And I think that I was, it's almost like he made it with me in mind. Like he's like, you, this is going to work on you. I feel like it was very personal in that respect. So there's that. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I like it a lot. All right. Uh, Vanessa, you want to take a swing at uh, killing of a sacred deer? Sure. Um, Jamie did hit uh, the, the nail on the head when she said off kilter. That is entirely, it, it took me a few minutes, I have to say, because this was my first time watching it. It's one of those that's been on my to-watch list, and I just had not gotten around to it until now. And I watched it last night. I'm still processing. So bear with me. <laughs> but it's it, it took me a few minutes to get comfortable with being uneasy watching it. Because you're right in that the patterning of speech and some of the lighting and, you know, even the inclusion of, okay, when they have sex, it's their fetish for, you know, is happens to be that, okay, she plays like a, a, you know, role plays as a patient under anesthesia or, and, and he as a surgeon, I mean, that's what turns him on. Like most viewers are not going to find that they're going to find that unsettling. I mean, so this entire movie is designed to make you feel off kilter and this entire universe and this situation plot wise as it unfolds, I think, eases into that. But you're already to begin with, you know, something's just not right in this universe. I mean, and and I I ended up I enjoyed it, but I, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to go back. And watch it again, and I will enjoy it more because there's a lot going on. I mean, the the little references, visually and dialogue, whatever wise that go that are thrown back to Greek mythology and Greek, you know, ancient Greek dramas. Like I, I appreciated that as like theater geek, but <laughs> yeah, um, well, I mean, he that's what he does too. Um, I mean, he is Greek. And right, exactly, exactly. A, a and I that he uses over and over again in his films, which I think is very cool. Right. And the fact that you have certain visual symbolism that's carried throughout, I mean, the deer, obviously, but other things. So, you know, I like that. And it's but I can see where a lot of people would not like this movie because of just the whole off kilter tone and that universe where the situation is off kilter and most people I think as audience can handle that but I don't think most viewers are into oh no the tone from the beginning is you know askew but I I dig it I just feel I need to see it again (laughs) there's a lot going on yeah I I definitely uh, agree with that that you know I, I was saying this offline uh, that this is a movie that certainly rewards multiple viewings. I love this movie. Uh, the more that I see it, the more I love it. I, I really enjoyed it when I saw it for the first time last year. And watching it again, um, 
kind of knowing what to expect out of the movie, I start to see what, what was tucked away more in the, in the corners of the film. And it's just as good. Uh, Colin Farrell, like you can hear the punctuation in everyone's dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has this pause between sentences or after asking a question. You're right. Like the even the subject matter is really strange. One of the the scenes that I find funniest in the movie is when he's trying to like punish his son into walking again, um, and he's like. You know, if you don't get up, I'm I'm gonna shave off. I'm gonna take an electric razor. I'm gonna shave off all your hair. I'm gonna make you eat that hair. Is that what you want <laughs> to eat all your own hair? And it's such a hysterical moment, but it's tucked away in this scene that like all this horrible shit is happening, yeah. and, and yet you, it's absurd. And you know, you're right. That's just it. There are these little things that. That's why I'm saying. At first, I was like, wait, that's kind of funny but is it supposed to be or did i hear that right and i feel like that's part of why i need to see it again yeah yeah well i mean how like the scene little nuggets of humor yeah well the scene where he's talking to the neighbor or his friend or uh i forget their relationship about his daughter and her sexuality her yeah so saying that she just had her first period and he talked about your daughter's period with some with a with some random guy you know i mean oh my god that's so embarrassing like, it I just feel so bad for the daughter. Yeah, but, I feel bad for both kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, but I mean, but then you get really those parents. Those parents are being just terrible. But then you get really intense scenes like the the choice scene. You know, yeah. where... Oh, my God. And it's... Um, I mean, honestly... It the, the entire scenario played out, I think, really the only way that it could... If you put all the factors in, yeah. uh, that is the best possible scenario. Um, it, j- um, uh, wow, though. Yeah. I mean, just I was just not wow. expecting I, the ending at all. No, I will completely say that I was not expecting that ending at all. Yeah. So I, you know, eh. I I'll tell you one of my favorite scenes of it remind. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the the dinner scene in Hereditary, but the scene with uh, Martin and Anna when like Nicole Kidman goes to him towards the end of the movie and is like, "Hey, can you knock this off or whatever?" And yeah. he's eating the plate of spaghetti and is telling the whole story about like you know everyone told me I always I eat spaghetti just like my dad, and that whole sequence is so uncomfortable. And his, like, by the end of it, when he's like, I don't know if this is justice, but it's the closest thing I can think of. And it is both true and horrifying in equal measure. And right. I, I, there, the thing I like about this movie is that the villain of the movie is a villain, except when you look at it from his point of view. And mm-hmm. then he's just a guy trying to make things right. And, you know, there's all this stuff about him trying to replace his father, like, emotionally. And the scene Mm -hmm. with uh, um, Alicia Silverstone, where Mm -hmm. she's, like, screaming, like, I I won't let you leave without trying my tart. You know, again, another hysterical line in this movie. and But it's stuff like that where it's, like, there's this really uncomfortable, tense laughter that is generated by this movie. And then mm-hmm. it, it, it'll it turn in the next scene where it's just like, oh, this is unpleasant. Like, 
it's it's a movie that sticks with you and it doesn't make you feel good about anything but it's filled oh, with no. a lot of interesting questions absolutely absolutely no it completely i was just like i can't, i afterwards that's why i was saying to you earlier before we started recording that i'm like i can't be the first one to start talking about this i'm still trying to wrap my head around some of it it's just yeah it's 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 I really enjoyed it, but there there's such a sense of unease around it. Yeah. And there's this interesting And it's a good thing. Oh, it's an Question amazing mark? thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. I, I yeah. you know, but I at first I was like, wait, if, do I enjoy this? Yeah, no, I do. I but it's kind of it's not what I was expecting. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Don't get me wrong, but it was just like okay. And that's why I think that's another reason I think I should see it again. Yeah, I, I mean, I was sick to my stomach after I finished watching this movie. Not because it was gross or anything like that, but no. because it, it, my stomach was in knots the entire time. So I was like sore. I was, I was, yeah. and then I was just like, oh my god, that was incredible. I mean, it was, it really was an experience in that respect, and one that, yes, from a film lover point of view, I enjoyed immensely. Yeah, you know, not saying it was like woohoo, it's a fun time. No, but it was. God, it's not an, a fun time. It was an enjoyable <laughs> film as a film lover um, because it really, really is effective. And if you allow yourself to get into that, and just, I mean, I know it's not normal the way they talk. I know that. I and and he knows that. And you know, yeah, it's true. But that's part of it. Just let it. Let yourself. Let yourself go with it, you know, and just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that there are people who just will, will, won't like it and. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. But, and, and that's okay. Like I, I respect that. That's fine. It's not, but not it worked film for, is for everybody. You know, no, but it worked. For, it worked for me. It hit me in all the right spots and uh, you know, yeah, I dearly, dearly loved it. Yeah. It, it's like this movie Take is for- like a really good indie band that, <laughs> that, you love, but if someone is like, Hey man, I really hate killing of a sacred deer. It's like, I get it, man. If you're not into like, we have four basses and one rhythm guitar and that's yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> and if you're not cool with it, then I, I understand, but I love it. And, and that's how, uh, I think killing of a sacred deer hits me. And there, there's all this interesting thematic stuff that we haven't really touched on. Like, um, there's this idea of science versus the supernatural that's handled in, in a way that's almost like not handling it at all. It's acknowledged, but it's just like, oh yeah, the supernatural just sort of happens in this movie and it doesn't bother to explain it. Like nobody's going to the library and going through microfiche and discovering sadly, you know. I know, but that's what I love about it is just like, Hey, Nobody's asking the direct question of like, how is this kid able to do this? Uh huh. It's just like, oh, he can. He's clearly controlling this, and so how do we deal with it? And it it lives in this magical reality where no one's bothering to freak out uh, appropriately about the fact <laughs> that they have just learned that the supernatural is a real thing. And <laughs> it, it's a fascinating movie. And so antiseptic in a way that I think is deceptive because I think there's a genuine heart to this movie 
it just is a dark one and Mm -hmm. and but it's not like in some ways i think kubrick is almost too removed from his subject matter in a lot of his movies whereas i think this pretends at that more than it is if that makes sense um that that yorgos yanthamos is is suggesting that Colin Farrell and his family have this neat little orderly life, and that's why you see all these sterile shots, which by the end of the movie, um, you know, we're at a diner with all this car traffic background noise, which is something that at the beginning of the movie you see none of. And anyway, I, I just, like, I think it's well-directed. I think it's well-constructed. I think it's incredibly well-acted. I think Colin Farrell is so good in this, knowing what he's mm-hmm. capable of. As oh, God, the, I know. I was so surprised. Yeah, he's fantastic in this. The The discussion between him and his doctor buddy about the watches, I think, is oh, another one of those moments that is incredibly funny um, because of just how stilted and awkward and, and how unnatural a conversation it is. Um yeah, it's it, it's a tremendous movie. Uh, let's rate it up. Um, Vanessa, let's put you on the spot. This is your first time through Killing of a Sacred Deer. What would you rate uh, this oddity of a motion picture? Um, I think I might... Uh, okay, I'm going to put it at a four. I, I think that's going to change once I see it again, but I... Yeah, I'm a four. All right, very respectful. I, I I need to see it again. Yeah, uh, but I I, I don't want to guarantee it's going to go to a four point five. Gotcha, uh, Jamie. What about you? Where do you put this one? Oh, this is a five. Okay. I absolutely love it. No holds barred. It like I said, it hit me upside the jaw. And um, that, that what more can I ask? You know, I watch these films to be affected, and this one damn straight affected me fantastic uh okay um i'm gonna split the difference here uh i'm i'm a i'm about a viewing away from saying this is a five-star film i'm gonna put it at four and a half right now um but i'm i'm closer to that than i am for uh i, I think it's a tremendous yeah, movie. yeah see i'm i'm almost at four and a half but not quite yeah Again, get I'm like I'm the ghost and, of Christmas future for you. Watch yeah. it again, and it's going to be four and a half. Yeah. When you kind of allow yourself to laugh at it, that's yeah. that's the the corner you turn on this movie where it's like, oh, this is all ridiculous, but underneath all the ridiculousness is this just terrible story of sadness and like no right or moral decision to be made. You know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. Enough of that. We've examined our own uh, our our own moral structure enough, uh, or have we? Because tonight's next film is a remake of uh, the Dario Argento classic Suspiria. Um. So I'll tell you what. Let's uh, take a listen to the trailer, and then let's talk about Suspiria, folks. And now our feature presentation. beginning she gave me things perfect balance perfect sleep oh she wants to get inside of me 
I can feel her. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. <laughs> the dumplings incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. Dangerous people. Three mothers, three God, three devil. Mother Tenebrarum, Mother Lacrimarum, and Mother Suspiriorum. Darkness, tears, <laughs> and sighs. <laughs> some kind of deal with them. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, the the final movie, the feature presentation uh, here tonight. Um, how can we not talk about a remake of one of the great films of, of horror cinema? Uh, that is, of course, Suspiria. Um, the original directed by Dario Argento. Uh, in this case, uh, we are being a little um, artsy-fartsy this time around on uh, Devour the Podcast. Um, oh, I forgot to pull up the... Because I'm an idiot. Um, Luca Guadagnino, uh, right? Guadagnino, yeah. Yeah, Luca Guadagnino of uh, Call Me By Your Name most recently. Um, Although had worked with Tilda Swinton before on a movie called The Protagonists. I'm sorry, Protagonists, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, (laughs) So anyway, uh, it is... Uh, described thusly, a darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmares. Others will finally wake up. Um, as we said, directed by Luca Guadagnino, uh, this stars Dakota Johnson as Susie Banyan, uh, the American girl, what goes to the Dance in- Institute, Tilda Swinton as Madame Blanc, as well as uh, Dr. Joseph Klimperer. Um, and also, <laughs> yeah, and also Helena Marcos. Uh, and it's an incredible performance uh, in each of those. Um, Doris Hick as Frau Sesame. Uh, who else we got? Chloe Grace Moritz as Patricia. Uh, Mia Goth as Sarah. Uh, that's kind of the biggies, right? 
Um, Alec and- Black is Miss Melius. Yeah. Yeah, one of the witches. Uh, yeah, they're people. Right. Uh, a bunch of people seen. in this movie. Um, We've yeah. all seen a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, this is a, more of a reimagining in a lot of ways of, of Suspiria. It's not trying to do note for note. Because how on earth would you? Like Suspiria is like an impressionist painting of a movie. And so I think rightfully Guadagnino decided to do the same thing. Of I'm going to make an art installation of a film essentially. Uh, and I would ask first Vanessa, uh, how do you think he fared in, in reimagining Suspiria? Well, I have to say, I'm glad that it was a reimagining and not a remake because I love Suspiria far too much. And I, and I know nothing could live up to that for me, even though I recognize that it's still not a perfect film, but, um, that said this, and I tried not to watch many trailers or, and even like I catch stills of it. And I, so I knew that the aesthetic, I was on board with that. And actually I had seen the trailer for it. Um, when I went to see Mandy and like everybody in the audience sat there so quietly, like you could hear a pin drop. And at the end of the trailer, everybody applauded. So, like that was just when I saw the trailer. And so I already had an impact of seeing it in the theater ahead of time. Like that was the only trailer I saw of the film. Right. Ahead of time. So I, it, so I knew the aesthetic and I knew I was on board with that. That goes a well, that goes a significant way for me. Yes. Then there's also Tilda Swinton who I love and feel can do no wrong. Pretty much. Uh, i yeah, I've been a fan of hers for since the 80s. Anyway, I, and, and you have some other good cast members here, too. I I found the... So before I go any further, <laughs> I got to get this out of the way. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, a, a little bit of a stupid rant. So I went and saw this at the theater with a friend of mine. And we come out, and I go on a five-minute rant. I kid you not. About speaking as someone who was a dancer for a good 16 years and was in a dance troupe and an all uh, girls dance troupe and going through these different things over the years and, and theater and everything. Uh, the audition <laughs> that Susie has, <laughs> what she's wearing, it is so inappropriate and they would laugh her out of there to begin with. They would just, no, no, you never see her in proper dance attire. Even though this is a modern dance studio, they would still, at least at your audition, want you to be uncovered so they could see your body and see how your body moves. Your hair should be up. You shouldn't have fucking sweats on. Like it's disrespectful. Like, especially this is a European dance troupe like i i it's something small i'm sure to the general viewer but to me i just could not let it go because you never see Susie without sweats on or like short tight things on over a leotard you her hair is rarely fully up 
or, you know, fully pulled back. And not saying you have to be stringent all the time, but the only time you even see her something like that is in the actual dance performance that that you end up seeing where she's in her costume and has her hair styled a specific way and has whatever, you know, specific costume on. That is the only time you see her in proper dance attire. Like, I just, oh my God. Oh my God. I could not. It, it, it really, really fucking bugged me. But once I got past that, <laughs> once I got past that, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I like the the way that they keep bringing in these connections, like the political setting, the, the backdrop of of Germany, because it is set in 1977, and it's has these elements going back. I thought that was something that made it its own, and you know created a certain time period. But I like that. You saw the coven in this sense of camaraderie within them in the same way. Like you saw them when they went from whatever their vote about what, you know, who they wanted to lead them. The way you saw them go from that then to the evening out where they're as the dance troupe having in public having a meal and it's the same uh, whatever camaraderie that's carried back and forth. And it's more cohesive, I feel. Because in Argento's movie, I do have the criticism of that, yeah, it's a dance. It's set in this dance environment. And there's not a lot of, not a lot of dance. And I mean, not to say there, there has to it. be. You, you don't, don't have to be. But no. it's barely anything and it only half explains what puts these group of people together and the coven you don't feel that they are as strong and powerful in my opinion because it seems that in this this current one you have more members or you know more willing participants and I feel, I think that's a really interesting idea. And it says a lot about these women have this business and this certain power in society because they have this dance company that's existed for decades. And it's a certain sense of autonomy and speaks to whatever that time period. And so I, I think that's an interesting aspect to explore. And I love the use of dance as ritual magic in this. I think it's a very important thing that can be said about any kind of pagan religion. And I like that they kind of pulled that aspect into it. And yeah, I was digging the choreography too. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I was, yeah. Um, but, and I, I, I mean, just like I said, the aesthetic, the costume design, the performances, I think, overall were pretty good. I mean, Tilda Swinton, like I said, I love her. The fact that they had her in these multiple roles, and even with having her play uh, the Dr. Klemper, they didn't disguise her voice, even though they put prosthetics in everything. But 
I, I was like, it, whatever, it, it worked. It, I mean, because I don't know, she just has an air and a sensibility of androgyny anyway that she could pull it off. I don't know of many actors that, or actresses that could have done that. Like, yeah. Yeah, she, it's, it's incredible, you know. But, um, I don't know. <laughs> I liked it overall, but it's, it's one that I definitely think I would like to see again. <laughs> Jamie, what, uh, what did you think uh, about Suspiria? Well, this is another one that I, uh, I loved it. I one of the first things I said when as we were driving home from the theater, we had to make a trek to see this film because sadly it did not get a very wide release, um, which honestly, it makes sense. I, I don't think that they could have expected huge numbers to turn out for this film. I don't know. I, I would like to think that they would have, but it's, you know, in a film like this is really hard to tell. Um, the original is adored by most horror fans, I think, but I do think it's a little divisive. Um, if you watch Scream 4, they'll tell you that having a copy of Suspiria on your shelf makes you a real horror fan. They kind of not, they don't outright say that, but it, yeah, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> it is a thing. Oh man, there's so much. I don't even know where to start. Okay. Well, like I said, so we had to go a ways to see this film. And so we had a ways to drive back after we watched it and we're talking about it. And like one of the first things I said was, my question is not whether or not it's going to go on my top 10. My question is, what is it going to bump? (laughs) Like how far up is it going to bump things off to get there? Because uh, I had my first, my top three solid at that point. And now this one's knocking at the door and it's just, it was stunning. It, the score, I think, was was incredible. The It looked beautiful. And holy shit, I have never seen Dakota do anything better. I, I didn't know she oh, had absolutely. it. Oh, absolutely. I had no idea she had it in her, to be honest. I, I never would have given her that much credit. And she looked beautiful. I've never seen her look so beautiful. So the whole time I'm watching this film, it's kind of funny, because the first few minutes in the film i was like oh my god that looks just like dakota johnson uh, johnson right yeah um it's like that looks just like dakota johnson that looks like god that can't you know and i'm like god that looks just like her but it can't be her because she's good like this (laughs) (laughs) and uh then it finally hit me i'm like it is you know and i just i wow i was really blown away i think she did an incredible job she looked amazing. She really was stunning. And in the, when you get to the end of the film and the reveal and all of this about her, she could not have been more beautiful uh, yeah. standing there in that gown. It just it was it was incredible. So I'm like, wow, look at you. I was impressed. Uh, Tilda Swinton did an amazing job. I called her <laughs> as the old man uh, while we were watching it, which I have since found out that a lot of people did not realize. Yeah, which I think, which I think is kind of funny. I mean, I can, I guess, I can see why because if you're just watching the film to be watching the film, you're not, you know, it, it's not going to strike you. And I was watching the film to be watching the film, but to me, it really stuck out. <laughs> but, um, right. but in a very good way. I love her too, and I, I think that uh, she pulled it. And I believe that was her idea. I think that she wanted to do that, and uh, I just think it's fun that she loves to take on these these challenges and these roles i mean she is an actor's actor i think yeah um as far as the story goes i am very very pleased that uh, they did not just 
attempt to redo the Argento film, first of all, it, that would just be a mistake out of the gate. You can't do it. It's because mainly there's not a lot to the Argento film. Story-wise, it's very simple. And, I mean, it's just he just doesn't dig into a lot. And it doesn't give you a whole lot to play with. Because his strong points in that film are the visuals, are the score. And that's what sort of pulls you in and, and takes you away. And you're watching all these, uh, all these, or like Pat death in the, in the, in the original. Yeah, I mean, you're there. Every little scene is like, is a set piece in and of itself, but the plot really doesn't matter all that much. And there's not a whole lot to it. So I really appreciate the fact that they attempted to flesh it out and go in a different direction in that we know this is a coven of witches from the very beginning. Like, there is no question about that. There's no doubt about that. And I think that was a very smart way to do it because who going into this film doesn't know? I mean, if you're going to take the time to seek out the remake to Suspiria, you probably are familiar with the original Suspiria. And, you know, you it's just going to be a waste of time for you to sit there for a couple of hours to only get a reveal that you already know. So it's... I think I love the fact that they just pull the blinders off right right out front. It's like, yep, this is what's going on. And good. You know, I think that's the best way to approach it. I like the fact that it went in a completely different direction as far as, far as Mother Suspiria goes. Yeah. Suspiriorum. That, to me, I think was brilliant. And I've, I've heard people complain about that, and I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't get it. What do you want? You know, they they actually took a story, the same idea, the same basic idea, but he made it his own thing. And to me, that's what a good remake does. So it gives you something fresh, but still, I think, is very respectful to the original. And I don't think this could have been more respectful to the original. I um, honestly, I think I probably love them equally. If I had to choose one over the other overall, I might even go with this one because I do feel like it's more fleshed out. I do feel like the characters give you more to dig into. You get to know, you get more involved, and I appreciate that. Uh, but I do really mostly just love them both equally just for in very different ways. I love the fact that we pulled in, oh, man, this... <laughs> The the whole the war backstory and the for one, okay, this was supposed to this took place in the seventies. If you look at films around the seventies and and this time period, and a lot of them, and I'm not saying every film, obviously, but it was a pervasive theme and it was a common theme to have films that would either be centered around or that would mention the Holocaust in some manner, World War Two in some manner. Something would something would would come up. And when you have a film that is placed in that time period, particularly one that is in divided Germany, you cannot, I just don't see how you could avoid it. Now you could, you could cut out that whole storyline altogether. It would shorten the film, which would not necessarily be a bad thing because it it is a long film. And I don't think it would really hurt anything, but, but I do feel like this adds a lot. So I'm not mad at it for being there. I think it's it just allows it to be that much more immersive. I quite enjoyed that aspect of it. And to be honest, I was bawling my face off by the time we got to the end of the movie. And it's because of that storyline. It really got to me. 
I also love of the benevolence of her that just when we get to that in that in scene after we get oh my god with the with the explosions and the, yeah <laughs> I mean just the holy crap though that was just fun right there I had a I was having a blast and then we go directly from that to just uh, scenes of you know what basically what what do you want you know what can I do for you what do you want and it just the <laughs> the mother in this film being who she is versus what we had in the original film is just i think there's so much more weight to it and there's so much more emotion tied to it it um again this one really it really affected me it it what we have tonight we've talked about two films that deeply affected me this, both of them you know on different levels but both of these films have affected me very much and this one, I cannot wait to see it again. I've only seen it once. I cannot wait to see it again. I know without a doubt it is going to be in my top ten. My only question is who's getting knocked off to put it there. And it's going to be high up. So, um, yeah, I know that there are people who are afraid to see it because they love the original so much. I don't think you need to be afraid. I really don't. Because it's it's not ruining what Argento did. It, it, it's quite the opposite, I think. So, yeah, I can't. Also, you I, just don't want to live your life in fear, you know? Yeah, well, there's. Well, like, for instance, I mean, one thing I appreciate is the fact that it, this, like the original, it has a distinct, like, color palette, but it is not the same one as the original. Right. So it keeps, like, this, like, the, the, the same idea spirit the same and, and, and yeah, exactly. It, so it has that element that connects the two, but it respects it enough to do its own thing and not try to fuck it up. Like, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. No, that's yeah, exactly. That's I it. That, I it's, think you, I think that's, that summarizes the entire film. It respects the original film to give you ties in every way to the original film. But it, but it respects it enough to do its own thing and not fuck it up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's and to me that's exactly what I want out of out of a remake. Yeah, me too. All right. Uh, well, I would, uh, I guess, be the mild voice of dissent in that I. Ah! <laughs> I <laughs> no, I like. I don't think this is a bad movie. I don't think it's as good as the original Suspiria. I, I agree with everything that you were saying, though, that this absolutely does its own thing. It do, I I don't dis I don't dislike this movie. Let me just say that. But I don't I, I don't come in soft on this movie because it's some pale imitation of the original or something like that. It's definitely doing its own thing. I just don't know that I was engaged with all. First of all, I don't think Dakota Johnson is actually very good in it. Um, I, and, and when her performance doesn't ring true, then a lot of it is just like, uh, okay. Tilda Swinton is beyond reproach. Nobody is going to take anything away from her in this performance and the multiple performances she gives in this movie. She is incredible. She is incredible in just about everything she's in. And, and the fact that she's kind of back with, uh, is it, um, uh, we we need to talk about Kevin. Is that the other movie that Guadagnino also did? 
or maybe it was a, uh, I'm thinking of a different director at any rate. Doesn't matter. She's amazing in it. Like all the stuff you said is true about like, yeah, they, you know, they kind of revealed the coven, uh, pretty quickly and you get into the inner workings of that and so forth. I don't know that I think that's as interesting as, you know, sort of like the, in killing of a sacred deer, how coy the, the film plays with, you know, what is supernatural, what is not, what's really going on here, that kind of thing. I kind of prefer that. And so the fact that in this movie it's just like, oh, here are Coven of Witches. They're looking for someone to sacrifice. Here comes this girl, uh, you know, fresh off the, the boat from America. And she is going to be the replacement from, you know, our other girl, uh, what didn't work out. And, uh, you know, all of that makes sense. And, and I had a, a fine time with the movie. I don't think it's a classic. I think it's, uh, I think it's a little bloated. I do l- like the visual style a lot. It has that very classic 70s kind of quick zoom aesthetic. And I mean, it looks like the movie could have been shot at the time it was set, uh, in, in the like 77. And you would totally believe. Um, given the camera work employed that the movie came from that time period, as well as a lot of the palette too. So I think all that works just fine. I, you know, again, I don't think it's a, a terrible movie. Um, I don't think it's a classic. I think it's all right. Um, I, I think that, uh, if I don't know what I would have done to fix it, I like also some of the stuff when you get into the, you know, back the, the secret rooms of the dance Academy and start seeing what's going on there. I don't know that I found any of it particularly creepy. It was like, oh, okay, it's kind of a spider webby thing. And, and you know, there's an existential kind of uh, dread that goes along with some of that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was all all right. I thought, it was, again, I, that's kind of where I landed on a lot of this movie was every scene Tilda Swinton was in. I was just like chin resting on my palms, wrapped attention like, uh-huh, Miss Swinton, what'd you have to say? And then every time it's Dakota Johnson uh, by herself doing whatever, I'm like, uh, this is less good. And then by the time you get to the kind of horror movie ending, um, I'll, I'll say I think the movie kind of blows its load. I think the first death in the movie that you see the the woman in the mirror room, um, I think is the coolest thing in the movie. I like to call that scene the punishment of Olga. Yeah, that and, I think that's uh, a really cool scene, and I don't think the movie ever really gets there again. It goes big, like the whole movie is really operatic and and baroque in its presentation, but I I don't know that anything lands as well as that first scene does. I feel we get not the impact. Well, we get some impact, but it's different. But I feel like with the ritual in the end, we do get the same languid approach. And that that's one thing I really appreciate about this film, too, is if if this were someone who were making a contemporary film or, you know, it is a contemporary film. But if they were making a film by contemporary rules, that same scene, The Punishment of Olga that same scene would be so much shorter, so much choppier, and it would just be very quickly done. I mean, I can picture it in my head, and it's ugly. You know, I feel like that scene was incredibly beautiful, the way they just laid it out there and let it take its time and made you feel incredibly uncomfortable and squirmy the entire time. 
because you're just like, when is this going to be over? When is this going to be? I mean, because it's just the the cracking noises and the squishy sounds and the, I'm like, yeah. I just can't, I can't, ugh, you know, and it just keeps going. But I feel like they kind of did the same thing with the ritual. They really just let it play out, like get, let it take its time. And that's something I think too, that makes it feel authentically seventies because it's not something that many contemporary filmmakers would do. So that's another thing I appreciate about it that they, and yeah, it is a long film, but I think that it's purposeful in its length. You know, it, it's because they're not they're not in a rush. They're not in a hurry. And I like that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely of the mind that they don't make them like this anymore. And even though I don't know that it landed with me on a personal level where I've, I've responded to it uh, in an emotional way at all. In fact, more so than... It's hard not to compare it to Sacred Deer just because I watched that just today. And I think it's such a mm-hmm. master class in how to do this kind of film. Of like, yes, you can have this very high-minded artistic uh, approach to filmmaking that also leans into the theme of your film uh, and, and so forth. And I think Sacred Deer is just a, a little more successful at it than Suspiria, uh, quite frankly. Um, but I, I don't think it's bad. Uh, and and to that end, let's go ahead and rate this up. Uh, Vanessa, uh, how many stars do you give it? One star being lowest, five star being highest. Half stars are allowed, not quarter stars. We are not monsters. Vanessa, what is Superia? What is Suspiria 2018 uh, on your scale? I'm actually going to give it a 4.5. I it's it's not perfect. I think they, as much as I did enjoy some of the backstory around the war and politics. I do think they might have been able to trim that a little bit and make it a little bit shorter, like a couple other scenes that I think they could have made a little bit shorter too. I'm fine with sitting through a long movie, but a little bit of trimming I think would have helped. It's never going to live up to the original for me, even though there are certain things I did like better about this, like the fact that it's at a dance academy or a dance troupe. And they're actually and you dancing. actually see dancing. Yeah, right. re- like on more than one occasion and for more than like a second. Yeah, that is one thing I like better about this. And, and I like that I see more of the coven. Snakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the punishment of Olga. I'm sorry, Jamie, but that just sounds like a porn waiting to happen. I know it does. I guarantee I you there's that. already a German porn named the punishment of Olga. There's no if, I was thinking. I was thinking Czech. If uh, the, Check, if please. the <laughs> Blu-ray release of this film comes out and that chapter is titled "The Punishment of Olga," I'm suing. Yeah, <laughs> I would go ahead and call the lawyers. Um, <laughs> Jamie, uh, what about you? What are you going to rate uh, Suspiria 2018? I think it's interesting that you said you don't think it's a classic. One of the things I said about this film was I feel like if it actually was made in the 70s, I think this film would be revered today. I really do. I think. Absolutely. Good. (laughs) No, you're right about that. You're right about that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like if it was actually a 70s film that today it would be one of those films that everyone talks about that if you, oh, you have to see this movie. If you haven't seen this movie, you have to see this movie. You know, it would just, and if no one was talking about it, it'd be one of the movies that one of us would have mentioned at the beginning of the show. I feel like it it has that staying power. I feel like it has that oomph. Uh, For me, I do think, yes, it could be shorter, but at the same time, 
I could spend even more time in that world and I would have been totally happy with it. I was not ready to leave when it was time to leave, even though I had to pee really bad. <laughs> um, and I, and it was like really bad. Like I was just like, ah, God, I can't stand it. But I still didn't want to leave. I didn't want it to be over because I was just enjoying my time there. So I think for the story, you could trim it, but it really, I, and it wouldn't hurt anything. You know, it might even flow a little better. I don't know, but it didn't bother me. I dearly, dearly love it. It's another five for me. What can I say? This is um, this is a this is a good episode for me. Sure, yeah, you're eating it up. Arr, arr, arr. Um, <laughs> yeah, and 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 this is another one that my rating might increase upon repeated viewings. Uh, yes, a hundred percent. I've only, I saw the movie in the theater one time. So the same goes for my rating. A second viewing can always move some up or down the scale. I'm going to go with uh, that. My heart says one thing and then I'm, I feel like I'm going to make everyone mad. Uh, but fuck it. You only live once. Mad. I mean, I'll never be mad. <laughs> well, um, one star <laughs> to suspect. No. Um, what? Yeah, right. No, uh, I would go three and a half stars. Like I said, I think it's it's way better than average. I just don't... I, there were a, a number of times where, you know, when I'm watching a movie, I, I think, what is the point of this movie? Like, what is this movie trying to tell me? And with this one, I don't know that I ever plucked a coherent theme from the movie. And maybe it's just because it wasn't necessarily for me. Um, but it just seemed... Particularly with the end of the movie being what it is, I... I I don't know that I understood what the movie was trying to tell me with that. And, and maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just not a very smart person. Uh, that is also a reasonable <laughs> argument to be made. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, but again, I think people should see it because even if it doesn't totally register with you, like myself, there's enough about it that's aesthetically pleasing. And, and you're right, Jamie, like the score is, is tremendous. It's shot beautifully. It has a great atmosphere. Like there, even though I don't necessarily like the narrative, the way that the narrative unfolds, uh, I, I like a lot of the trimmings of this movie enough that I would recommend it. Uh, all right, well, folks, um, that is going to do it. We're going to take one last quick break and then uh, come right back to wrap it up. So we shall be right back. My life fades, the vision dims, all that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos, ruined dreams, wasted land. But most of all, I remember the podcasts, the man we called Witch. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time. A time when the doomsday clock ticked ever closer to Armageddon. You can still find The Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock podcast by searching for WYCH on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Memories may decline, but movies live forever.
Welcome back, everyone, to the finale, the denouement of episode 131 of Devour the Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it, as always. I uh, hope you had a good time. Uh, I know I did. I had a blast uh, for our Thanksgiving episode, impromptu as it was. Um, but I'm sure you're going to want to hear a lot more out of uh, the lovely hosts that we have on this show. And let's begin with Vanessa. Vanessa, we're... Can people find you in the meantime between now and uh, the the December episode of Devour the Podcast? I am also at uh, my usual home, the VD Clinic Podcast, with uh, Darren Wilson, also on Legion Network. And this our November episode is all about clowns, and we're covering the Bobcat Goldweight directed movie. Shakes the Clown and covering the Henry Middle Henry Miller uh, novella A Smile at the End of the uh, at the Foot of the Ladder. Sorry, I keep screwing up the title. Smile at the Foot of the Ladder. And we have a bonus uh, interview with uh, my mother, the dancing fool. So <laughs> yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to that. Jamie you're you're i know you're down a show because of evil episodes have you started another podcast yet <laughs> no these days i am having difficulty keeping up with the or being able to do anything with the ones i have i have been working pretty much all the time and so because of that i still haven't released a new episode of abc's although it is out there mm-hmm. if you have never heard the show i do recommend you go back and check out the back catalog that's the abcs of hidden horror where we talk about movies that we feel like don't get talked about enough and i do have a, another episode of that should be coming out at some point soon i'm almost done with the hitchcock episode of the of the spinoff show the attack of the colossal collection thing is that hitchcock episode is really long i mean oh yeah, yeah i'm sure i mean it's it's podcast long you know um but it's taking me forever to edit that show just because it's a very long show but it's just um and it's very simple (laughs) it's just a long one but uh also we did a we did a halloween episode of the skeleton crew where and that show is we've retired from that show now but we do rear our heads on occasion for special events and um we came back for halloween not the movie, the season, but it just so happens that Halloween was the film we covered. So I guess we did come back for the movie as well. And uh, I think we're going to be coming back when the the second installment of It comes out. So anytime something that just strikes us that we really want to talk about it, we'll be coming back. So that's out there too. And I really haven't made an appearance on Cinema Beef in a while. I mean, I feel so bad. I'm sorry, Gary. I love you guys so much. It's just things just it's hard. I mean, what made it easy for this film is that these were two films that I one that I had already seen before, and even though one of them was last year, so that required another. But I didn't have to like I knew what was happening, so I didn't have to sit wrapped, you know. Um, sure. And the other one I had watched it anyway, so that actually helped. But I just have having a very difficult time planning for shows these days. So I think I'm going to be doing um, a spot on No More Room in Hell. Oh, nice. 
And I think I'm going to be popping on that show. We're going to be doing some mid-season talk about, uh, mid-season break talk about The Walking Dead. And, um, and uh, various other things, like fun things, like top five openings in horror films, you know, which I think will be fun. So, yeah, that's about it. I'm not doing a lot. Yeah, doesn't sound like much. Um, I sure did talk a lot, though, to not be doing a lot. <laughs> right. Well, I was being somewhat ironic. It does sound like you're doing a lot. But um, for, for more out of me, hey, you're in the right spot. Uh, Devour the Podcast is going to get all, all the good stuff. Uh, you, but you can head over to legionpodcasts.com uh, to find more uh, podcasts, not just stuff I'm on, but other stuff like uh, as... Uh, Vanessa mentioned the VD Clinic podcast or Darren's other show, the Psychosomatic podcast, or one of my personal favorite shows, Hello, This is the Doom Show, which is uh, kind of focused on Italian horror, and it's just amazing. This is the Doom Show. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> I know that the song is so good. And that Halloween episode was tremendous, even though it is not Halloween any longer. If you haven't heard it, go back uh, and check that one out. It's great. Um but, uh, yeah, I think that'll do it, folks. We'll be back next month. There'll be uh, another review episode. Uh, there's Hero Hero uh, Go Show on the way. Um, there's some other goodies and treats. And as you've heard, uh, we've got our super special uh, Blair Witch episode on the horizon as well. So all that and more coming very soon. Thank you, as always, for listening to Devour the Podcast. If you would, do us a favor and uh, you know rate and review and all that fun stuff. And most importantly... Um, if you know somebody that's in the market for a uh, horror podcast, or even if they aren't, even if they don't know what they're missing out on, uh, <laughs> if you, if you can grab them by the lapels and, and yell at them all Kevin McCarthy, like, and be like, look, you damn fool devour the podcast. Why aren't you listening? Uh, is what he said in, uh, invasion of the body snatchers word and, for word. Yeah. I, I've committed most of that movie to memory. Devour the podcast is people. Right? <laughs> Devour the pod people. Mm. Uh, so that's it. Hey, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> this podcast is devouring her. And then it's going to devour me. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. everybody. <laughs> Bye. I want to hear you scream. Don't, don't fall, fall asleep. What's your favorite scary movie? I guess everyone's entitled to look on that
devour the 